another edition of Dropping That Culture with JD and AJ. I'm JD. I'm AJ. And we are back off a, what, two-week hiatus? Yeah, week and a half-ish. Week and a half hiatus. Uh, mainly because of the Thanksgiving holiday. Uh, my partner in crime was recently in Taiwan. Traveling. With, with his family. Yep. And it was a, apparently it was a wonderful experience because he brought me back a gift. It's a wonderful, you know, I think it's nice. You should think about your friends even when you're traveling. I want to share some of the experience with you. Yeah, of course you do. Yeah. So explain, explain a little more. I'm going to get the gift. So, yeah. uh, well, I mean, it, it's it's probably a better gift for television than for radio. Mm-hmm. Um, but but, I, uh, but it's yeah. just, it's a wonderful local confection uh, <laughs> they make in Taipei. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. So uh, he hits me up earlier today and asked me uh, a very simple question. Well, I'm mm-hmm. assuming it's like about candy. He's like, do you like milk chocolate or dark chocolate? I said, I like milk chocolate. He's like, okay, cool. And so, it, it, uh, it was, in fact, about chocolate and candy. So I arrived here tonight to do our podcast, which I've been eagerly anticipating. Cause, cause me of too. Break. Yeah. yeah. And he gives me this wonderful gift, which is a 10 10.5 centimeter chocolate dick made by <laughs> um, Taiwan Originals. <laughs> And wonderful little uh, Chinese characters. Oh, I didn't notice the cartoon has a sperm coming out of the top well, of its head. Well, it's a cartoon penis. Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> it's a cartoon penis with a hat and a vest. We found it at a market. And it has uh, some sort of white substance on the top of its head with a little uh, smiley face uh, <laughs> semen coming out of it. So, yeah, this is a, definitely was not, I was, I was not expecting this at all. Oh, it has a thing of milk in the front, too. Mm-hmm. So. Well, because well, it's milk Because it's milk chocolate, right. Yeah. They had a strawberry one that was cream filled. Hooray <laughs> for Taiwan, ladies and gentlemen. Hooray for Taiwan. I'm just trying to bring back some local culture. I know you never got the chance when you were in the Navy to, to, to hang out there, so. Yeah. This is what you're missing. Yeah, you, you, uh, apparently I was missing this. This uh, and, uh, and, well, and actually, you know, the popcorn chicken is fantastic. Mm. Uh, they do popcorn squid, which is great as well. Oh, okay. Um, and, the, cho- and chocolate dicks. Yeah, some chocolate dicks. Well, and that's for dessert because you, you need to get a pork bun first. Those are really good. Oh, right? yeah, of course. You know, the chocolate dick is mm-hmm. always dessert. You know what? We, did, we, can, we can put a picture of it on, uh, on Dropping That Culture. Actually, I am thinking about doing that. <laughs> as long as it's a picture of you holding your gift. My childhood dick. <laughs> Would you like to see? <laughs> I should caption it. Would you like to see my dick? Well, we're, <laughs> we're just we're building our relationship. <laughs> this is the stupidest fucking gift I've ever gotten in my entire life. But I love uh, it. But I also love stupidest it, Stupidest gift so far. So far, okay, 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 okay. I'll give you that. Stupid, I'm pretty sure you'll come up with something even more clever. But answer the question that yes. everybody is is just dying to know right now. I'm listening. Are you going to eat it? Am I going to eat the chocolate dick? <laughs> no, I'm not going to eat the chocolate dick. If anything, like you I said, I'm not going to bite the chocolate dick. <laughs> if anything, I will melt it down and make s'mores out of the chocolate dick. But then I will think about the fact that I'm melting a chocolate dick. You're eating dicks. And I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean, residue, the <laughs> leftovers of a chocolate dick. The best part, though, is if you're going to put that in the s'more, yeah. you got the, you got the white from the marshmallow. So I guess, yeah, oh yeah, I just thought about that now. I can't do s'mores now, thanks to you, because the white from the marshmallow, and then thinking about the chocolate dick, and like, in like the only thing that's normal is some graham crackers, but like, other than that, the rest of it is just, it's just gross, but fucking... I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do with this thing. <laughs> I don't want to eat it, but I don't want to give it away because it's too good a gift. 
So I don't know, fucking maybe I'll find a bachelorette party or some of the well, well, then what I'm gonna say is if it's really that great a gift, <coughs> your move. <laughs> Thank you, AJ, for this wonderful, wonderful gift. Let's move. Let's move on. I right hope now. you notice it has a vein on it. <laughs> does it? Oh my god, it does. Dude, the level of detail. Dude, I, I I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. I didn't see the details. It has a vein. And a head and some little balls. But but it's smooth. <laughs> what the fuck were you thinking when you got me this shit? I found it and I thought it was funny. <laughs> it is hilarious. Well, God, what the, like, now comes the question, what the fuck do I do? You know what? You know what? That's fine. I, got, I, I have a chocolate dick as a gift now. I'll figure out what the fuck I'm going to do with it. But either way, let's, let's just move on because this is weird. So... <laughs> All right, so on the news. Okay, okay. Oh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> There's right, that for a segue. All right, so there actually has been a little bit of news, mainly because of the fact that a couple of trailers have uh, dropped since you left. Yes. Um, mainly, t- actually, like the last two days. Uh, one, for the uh, first trailer for Marvel's Black Widow solo film mm-hmm. with Scarlett Johansson. And from the looks of it, it looks like they're going for like a Jason Bourne, Mission Impossible type out, which is what I was expecting because of the fact the whole thing is spy culture. Yep. So... Uh, and then they got some good cast in there too. They got like uh, uh, David Harbour from Stranger Things and Rachel Weisz, and uh, I forgot who else. There's, there's actually the villain of the movie is a longtime Marvel villain, the Taskmaster, who has never actually been done live action. So I was like, okay, that's a good choice. So I was with that. And another one that came out early this morning, very early this morning, the first trailer for Daniel Craig's last outing as James Bond in No Time to Die. Dude, I'm. Freaking over the moon, ready to see this thing. Oh yeah, it's going. Too. It's going to be amazing. Oh yeah, and then the trailer looks fantastic. I got a lot, got a lot of new addition additions to the cast, particularly uh, Lashana Lynch from Captain Marvel. She is a uh, apparently she plays like a rival double O in the movie, and also uh, Remy Malik, Mister Robot. Really? Yeah, he is the villain. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I totally spaced for a second. That's there. right. He is the villain. Yes, and he looks fantastic. It's all scarred up and whatnot, and, and he sounds Those crazy. Scars look, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> look crazy. And they bring him back, uh, Christoph Waltz as Blofeld from the last movie, Spectre. Okay. Now, mm-hmm. now from from the looks of it, from what I can see in here, I think we might be going back more towards a Casino Royale, a little closer to to something more visual and real because. The biggest criticism I had and a lot of people had was we we're starting to skew back into the comic book kind of a feel mm-hmm. with the last one with the whole we're going to, you know, drill into your brain so you can't recognize faces mm-hmm. and so Where it's getting a little bit campy, borderline campy. I mean, which I took as an homage to the old Bond films. Mm-hmm. I, I decided to go that route so that it didn't frustrate me too much. No, that's actually very typical of the Bond movies. Whenever it gets too much like that, too cartoony, they always do like a soft reboot. Like, uh... Best example when it got to uh, what uh, you only live twice, you know, where they're like in space, yeah, and like the shit, the space shuttles and other stuff. Then they dropped it down on Her Majesty's Secret Service. That was more grounded. That was more real. Same thing years later, Moonraker. They're in outer space again. Yep. You got laser battles, and then the next movie, Four Eyes Only, Earth Base. Exactly. And then the last example before this one, Die Another Day, uh, with a. What's his name? Pierce Brosnan. Pierce Brosnan's last one. Driving ice cars and shit. Driving ice cars in an ice building with <laughs> yeah. a giant laser made out of diamonds. For some reason, they're fighting yeah. Mr. Freeze. Yeah, basically. 
And then the, the Asian dude that did the gene therapy, and he had like yeah. a super suit that gave him super strength. Yeah, and then the next movie, Casino Royale, real realistic and grounded. Yeah. So I guess it's just kind of the conventional. I mean, we'll, the we'll, we'll have to wait and see. And then the only other thing aside from that that I have to say, as far as uh, kind of threw me off on the last one, I, I wasn't a big fan of the opening song. Uh, from Spectre. Yeah, because I felt like it. Yeah. I felt like it brought it down because that opening sequence. Yeah. Is just insane. I mean, there's so much action, there's so much adrenaline, like mm-hmm. it's just pumping you up and it's just going and going and going and going and going. Yeah. And then you fall off a cliff and then yeah. it puts you down this dreary sadness with this music. And yeah. then I never felt like I got my momentum back. Yeah, the Sam Smith song. Yeah. And, and which he won the Oscar for, but even he he himself said that he didn't really like the song. But he I mean yeah. look yeah. as a standalone as a song, it's not a bad song. Yeah. It's just bad placement for opening credits. Yes it was. That would have been that would have actually even been fine for for end credits. There was some there was some parts of that song with the trumpets and all this stuff, especially like when they real real the, the shadow blow fell with the yeah. tentacles. That worked well, uh, but I don't, I don't even know who's going to be doing the song for this next one. But either way, like I said, it's Daniel Craig's last time. You can actually see in the trailer that you know the age is starting to catch up with him. And He's uh, fifty years old, man, he can't yeah. be doing parkour anymore. No, he can't. So yeah, it's about <laughs> that time and. Like I said, I've thoroughly enjoyed Daniel Craig's. He's, he's been fantastic. He's been a fantastic Bond. So, more power to you, Mr. Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, now, on more on the animated front, which I thought was really cool. Um, recently, we all know aware of the death of uh, John Witherspoon, mm-hmm. great comedic voice, and is all is pretty much bad timing because of the fact they just recently announced that they're going to be doing a reboot of the Boondocks. Of which he was a big part of as granddad. Yeah. Uh, so in the meantime, between time, there's been kind of a fan swelling of who should replace granddad. And uh, they're thinking about doing uh, uh, actress Jennifer Lewis. Really? Yeah. As his like sister. And who would take, huh. the, who would take the kids in. And it's, I, not, it's not a bad direction. No, no, it's not. And not at all. Cause if you like, if anybody's it's better than trying to replace him. No, if anybody's familiar with Jennifer Lewis's work, she's always been like, she's like pretty much been like everybody's sassy mama, auntie, and God knows how many shows she was. Like, <laughs> she's the, one of the aunts on the Fresh Prince. Yeah. She's on blackish. She's been on a like, living color, all kinds of different things. And I think it's a really great choice. Cause she, she had, she has that sassy actress thing going like hardcore. So she can hit that. And of course, Working off of the two kids, which, who are yeah. both of us were voiced by well, Regina King, well, it's so a, it's a good, good ping pong. Yes, it is. So I'm actually, I'm actually for that one. No, uh, I'm, I'm 100 on board with that. Yeah. And another thing uh, that's been popping up on the internet lately is uh, there's a some crass thing that says that most people, like of course young internet trolls, find that the latest uh, Martin Scorsese movie, The Irishman, is too boring. It's straight troll bait. There's yes. no point even engaging with that yeah. shit. Yeah, I know. It's like it's like the people that were like getting down on him for for talking shit about Marvel movies. It's like, yeah. well, of course he's not going to like Marvel movies. That's not what he makes. Yeah, right. I mean, p- ja- very few jazz musicians are a big fan of punk. True, and vice versa. Yeah, and it doesn't mean either one of them is wrong. I, I've listened to both. Yeah. I have listened to both. I still listen to both. I always listen to both. Doesn't mean you, you you can't swing back and forth, but some guys, especially people who do it, yeah, this is my lane. This is what I like. This is what like I'll never like country music. Sorry, mm-hmm. folks, it's just the way it is. It's not my thing. Yeah, I don't mind other people doing it. Yeah, do your thing, man. Yeah. And I watched it like three or four times during our little break here, and I love it. So like, it's fantastic for me. If you're a fan of Scorsese movies. It's a perfect Scorsese movie. It's like, you get know, all the detail, all the mm-hmm. richness, all the culture. 
and it's mainly a Jimmy Hoffa movie, and everybody in that movie steals it. De Niro, Pacino, Pesci, Harvey Cartel. He's actually in the, not in the movie a lot, but he when he is there, he's a yeah, presence. He's a presence. So like, and then uh, what's the name? Uh, Bobby uh, Cannavale, or Cavanell, or Cannavale. Like he's one of those like. Great character. This is an Ant Man. A bunch of other movies. You know his face if you see him. But yeah, he, maybe. He, he does a great part in there too. And like, I love all the just like the different. The the, 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 the only thing that's kind of distracting in certain points is the de aging. Mm. Like you can you can tell like. Yeah, he, but that's, but that's that deep fake thing. That's essentially what you're looking at is yeah. deep fake work. Yeah, it's just looking at it is like the face is you, too sharp and you, the eyes are too like clear. Like, you, they're you like keep, crystal clear. You keep falling into that uncanny valley. They still haven't worked out all the kinks. True. I mean, it's better than it used to be. Yeah, but yeah, they're still not quite there. No, there's only a the only portion where they really look at themselves in terms of their current age. There's a portion where like they deal mainly with the Jimmy Hoffa thing. That's the only portion of the movie where they, all of them look mm. exactly how they are. Uh, but they do do some great things with like aging as well. Where there's a part in towards the end where they make Pesci so old and decrepit. It's like wow, it's like I was surprised at how good it was. And his performance as this, this elderly man is amazing. Well, but they've been able—they've been able to do a really good job for a long time aging people. It's the de-aging that's the hardest because you can always add wrinkles. You can always do some stuff with makeup. I mean, we, you know, you and I were talking about you know sexual chocolate coming to America, all that stuff earlier. Mm-hmm. Eddie Murphy <clears throat> as the old Jewish guy sitting yeah. in the barbershop—that mm-hmm. that makeup was fantastic. Yes, it was. You know, you can go Johnny Knoxville and Bad Grandpa. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, every once in a while they start getting a little bit. Uh, maybe over the edge like Amadeus mm-hmm. like you, you, you see him at the end of that you're like god okay that's, I don't know if that's quite right it's ghastly but <laughs> it, it's always an easier one to get at than the other way around yeah can't really fill in those cracks yeah alright so uh, we're gonna go ahead and uh, knock out this next segment of the show like, uh, like I said hope you enjoyed our news but we have another favorite segment on the show uh, 7 Degrees of Eddie Murphy Oh, as long as we're doing the Eddie Murphy thing. All right, I see, yeah. I see what you did there. You went from one to the other. Since you brought it up. Segway. <laughs> but, Segway. But uh, this is a portion of the show, for those of you who don't know, where I try to connect pretty much any modern film star I can, even some old film stars, uh, to Eddie Murphy within seven, within, within seven films. Uh, sort of a play on the uh, six or seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, but my version is Eddie Murphy. So, uh, if you got a couple for me, AJ. So, I, I do have a question. We're doing this when you say what's modern. The, yeah, what's the cutoff for modern? Actually, you know what? I'm, I'm thinking like because we've done golden age movie stars, and I still been able to connect them. So I can't really say modern anymore. You can do like people like uh, people that's hot right now. You know, like. Uh, the movie, young, they've been in the movie in the last 30 years? Yes. All right, Mickey that, Rooney. Mickey Rooney. I, I, I think I could do it, but I want to see what you can do. Mickey Rooney. Huh. That is a really good choice. I'm trying to think of all the Mickey Rooney movies. <laughs> you got to think of it more in terms of bit parts. Yeah, no. I'm, I'm trying to think of a good Mickey Rooney bit part, too, as I'm thinking about it. Um... Let me come back to that one. But okay. try, try another one. Audrey Hepburn. Audrey Hepburn. I'm trying, trying to make you do a little bit of work. If I do Tom Cruise, you're there like, Audrey, like that. So. Audrey Hepburn. I'm trying to think of a... I know Breakfast and Tiffany. That's really like the major Audrey Hepburn movie I've seen. 
I'm not trying to stall you, folks. I'm just trying to. Uh, you trying to look something up? No, I'm not trying to look something up. You know what? Uh, I'm not going to lie to my fans. I'm looking up uh, Audrey Hepburn just to see if I could find a movie. I could, I could get you started with yeah. uh, with Aubrey. Yeah, okay. Mickey Rourke is in uh, in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Is he? Yeah. Uh, you know what? I don't. Uh, at, least, at least I'm pretty sure. I was thinking about that, but I don't want to go that route because I don't, don't want to uh, cheat that. Like I want to go to one where like I, I really have to search for the shit. I'm trying to think. Of That's why I was trying to go some of the older ones because if I if I go too modern, like you know, if I if I go. Uh, Brad Pitt. I mean, that's not really a hard one. To yeah, get that's to. not really a hard one at all. <laughs> Especially guys that get around. Like, probably the easiest one to get around with anybody is. It's honestly, it's going to be Ben Stiller or um, uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Bruce Willis, because both of those guys have been in so many other smaller projects. You can connect them. Try the connection. Okay, so uh, I so I did. I, I have to admit, I had to look up the uh, Audrey Hepburn movie, so I looked up Breakfast and Tiffany's. I'm not going to go the Mickey Rooney route. Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke, whatever route. Yeah. All right, so uh, what I'm going to do is I'm going to go with uh, Buddy Epson, who was in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Buddy Epson was in the Beverly Hillbillies movie. Okay. Yeah, with, uh, Lily, with, yeah, yeah, with Lily Tomlin. Uh, Lily Tomlin was in 9 to 5 with Jane Fonda. Jane Fonda was in California Suite with Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor was in Harlem Nights with Eddie Murphy. All right. Okay, so I got that one. So now I do Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Mickey Rourke? I do Mickey Rourke. Okay. I right. know. Oh, actually, no. Sorry, Rooney. We're going to do Rooney. Mickey Rourke's too easy. Uh, okay, okay. I, 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 was, I was switching. Okay, I'll, I'll, I have to look up Mickey Rooney too. Okay, so you start, you start. <laughs> see? I, I go old. You go, you go really and, old. And I think I already know the way you're going to get there because you can do it. You can do it in two. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. Let me look up Mickey Rooney movies first. I, I, I have to admit, I'm looking up Mickey Rooney movies. Let's see if anything It's because you don't, you don't want to repeat a Mandy Moore. <laughs> ah, okay. okay. Hell no, I don't want to repeat a Mandy Moore. Ah, I got it. Okay. okay. All right, gotcha. Hey, you were right. You can do it in two. You can do it in two. Yeah, I can do it in one, actually. Well, yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, pretty much two. Mickey Rooney was in Night at the Museum with Ben Stiller. Ben Stiller was there in Tyler Heights with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> See, it's one, it's one, like him or Dick Van Dyke, you go, oh, damn, like, how am I going to get those guys? Because they, you know, most of their stuff was so much earlier. Wait a minute, you know what? Fuck it. Let's do it. I'm going to try Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke was in Night at the Museum as well. Yes, he was. That's, 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 that's all that. That's right. <laughs> what I'm saying. It's I'm, like, I'm, I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to give it a okay. shot. Okay. Dick Van Dyke was in, ah, got it. There we go. Okay. Dick Van Dyke was in Mary Poppins with Julie Andrews. Julie Andrews was in 10 with Dudley Moore. Dudley Moore was in Best Defense with Eddie Murphy. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> well, you got that. <laughs> I'm sorry, we got a high five on no, that I one. appreciate it. That, Dick that was Van good. And Dyke. I appreciate you not taking the easy route. I connected, the second go I connected Dick Van Dyke to Eddie Murphy, man. That's crazy. <laughs> Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> Alright, cool. Now, uh, since we got that out the way, uh, we love our segments on here on this show. So, let's do another one. Want to do a What Will Busey Say? I want to do a What Will Busey Say. Okay, so this week's prompt, <coughs> What Will Busey Say? Mm-hmm. Because uh, you guys out there got a little distracted, I think, with, uh, with the questions directly for us, which we really appreciate. We're going to do some shout-outs here in a minute. True. But, we didn't get enough submissions coming in for uh, what would Busey say on our last prompt. So we're going to go with what would Busey say mm-hmm. about Christmas music. All right, here we go. I had to clear my throat there. Just so I said, I got to get really getting the beast. All right, here we go. 
Christmas music. <laughs> I love me some Christmas music, man. You gotta go with the go with the essentials, you know. You gotta go with maybe uh, you know White Christmas, which I really love, or uh, <laughs> Jingle Bells, uh, you know, Silent Night, all that good shit. I like to go with uh, some some unconventional uh, Christmas songs, like uh, you know I'm a real big fan of uh, Christmas Time and Hollis. Yeah, you know, Run DMC. <laughs> a lot of people don't think I'll be a fan of Run DMC, but I am, you know. <laughs> December 25th, you know, <laughs> it's, it's great stuff, man. You know, no, no, I love one I really love. It's like a blues song, you know what I'm saying? It's called, it's called Backdoor Santa, you know? <laughs> you know. And I swear to God, that's the real name of the song. Backdoor Santa by Clarence Carter. He's the guy that does a song, you know, Stroking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, he does a Christmas song called Backdoor Santa. I'm making my runs at the break of day. Yeah, Backdoor Santa. There's <laughs> another there's another great one too. Santa Claus needs some loving. <laughs> I think I think the the last time anybody did in the public, I think it was Bill Murray and and, and George Clooney, if I believe. But yeah, Santa Claus needs some loving. You know, mama in the kitchen cooking. Children are fast asleep. It's time for old Santa Claus to make his midnight creep because, you know, Santa Claus needs some loving. <laughs> yeah, I love that shit, man. Oh, Tiger Blood. <laughs> How's that? <laughs> that was, that was, it was pretty decent. I, I had no idea that Christmas could get so blue. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> both of them were real. Those are both real Christmas songs. Santa Claus needs some loving. <laughs> and, back, and Backdoor Santa. I could play them when we're done. <laughs> Actually, are, are you sure? Are you sure no. that those are songs and not uh, no. pornos? <laughs> Might, as well be. Might as well be. But like uh, the actual beat for Backdoor Santa is the shit from Christmas Time and Hollis. That's the beat from Backdoor Santa. So they're original sampling, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, as long as we're talking about Christmas music, I gotta ask you: Do you, do you even like Christmas music? Uh, I like the ones I named. <laughs> I like certain songs. Uh, you know, actually, funny enough, my favorite Christmas song is actually from a movie, and it's a lot more traditional than most people think I would like. But I love the uh, Christmas Star song from Home Alone. There's an actual vocal version that they do of that. And it's, well, yeah, they kid, they sing it in the second one, don't yeah, they? Yeah. Is yeah. that the one that the little the kids are singing in the second one? It may it's be. Like the, I feel like I feel like I remember hearing some. Mm-hmm. But at, at, at any rate, I, I, mm-hmm. I just no, got, no, 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 no. The kids are singing it in the first one. He's in the church. And that's in the what choir, it was. Yeah, the but they're choir singing that kids. song. But I love that song. That's my favorite I, Christmas song. I gotta be honest. I hate Christmas songs. <laughs> I, I like yeah. Christmas, but I hate Christmas songs. Most I, people I, do. <laughs> I think Christmas music sucks, mm-hmm. and I think the proof that Christmas music sucks is that you only play it during Christmas, Christmas time. Yeah. Because like, I've never been poolside in Vegas and heard anyone go up to the DJ and go, hey man, let me get that Pumper pump pump <laughs> Put that drummer boy shit on. That, that's my jam, man. I just got to get me some. <laughs> you saw the Family Guy version? <laughs> Dude, I don't, yeah. I'm, I don't I brought these gifts for you. They're up in my bum. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you this much. If I, ever, if I ever hit the high roller status in Vegas where they, yeah. they let you pick the song, for the for the fucking Bellagio out there, yeah. I'm gonna pick the most ridiculous. 
fucking Christmas song in the middle of July and just screw up everyone's <laughs> night. I'm just going to throw the whole thing through a loop to prove my point. That nobody... Holly, jolly Christmas. <laughs> no, no, no. That's that's too upbeat. Okay. We're, we're going to probably go with Drummer Boy, I think, because I think that's about no, the worst one. No, My, no, my no. grandfather hated that song because mm-hmm. he said... What mother in her right mind is going to let a drummer stand next to her newborn infant and beat his damn drum? No, but that's actually a uh, sad R&B song called What Would the Lonely Do at Christmas? <laughs> what would the lonely do at Christmas? It's, it's either going to be a oh. little drummer boy for me yeah. or salt and pepper. <laughs> what would they do? What would they it's do? It's one of the two. Yeah. The silent night. <laughs> I know it's going to be. Joy to the world, but it's gonna be sad for me. What would the lonely do? <laughs> it's a real that song. That might actually be my favorite song. No, what would the lonely do at Christmas? <laughs> All right. this, thing, this thing went way, way off track. I love that song though. It's a sad ass song, but I, I don't know why I dig it. It's it's because it's screwing up everybody's day. That's what I like. <laughs> okay, 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 okay. <laughs> that was funny. All right, so uh, what we're gonna do here tonight is something special because of the fact uh, we've we've been doing this for a few episodes and we're gathering a bit of a following, which I'm very very happy with, you know. And uh, so what we're gonna be doing here tonight is a first for our particular show, and we're doing our very first. Q&A. Now, over the last few weeks, I've been putting out some uh, videos saying, hey, uh, we're doing a Q&A. If you guys have any sort of questions or you want to get to know us a little bit better, you know, hit us up on my Facebook or my Instagram. Hit us up with a question and we'll answer it for you and shout it out for you here on the show. And uh, also, I had to call in a few favors from some actor friends and anyone to ask questions anyway. So, um, it's been really nice and we've gotten a really good Just response. Just call in all our favors. <laughs> <laughs> Not all of them, but we, okay. Well, we'll call them in for docs. That's right. We'll call. We we'll definitely be calling them all <laughs> in for docs. But like I said, we got a really good response, man. Like for okay. you know, on different platforms, we got a bunch on Instagram, we got a bunch on Facebook, and like I said, it's really good. Like, right, well, let's, very, let's, let's jump in. What's the first one? All right, the very first one comes from uh, one of our friends, actually from Bo's uh, Cigar Lounge in Torrance. Uh, dude named uh, Taz, the incredible right. Taz uh, on uh, Instagram. Uh, we both know. Yeah, yeah. And his first me. question is, what made you want to start a podcast? Uh, well, this was actually, I mean, you, you're the one who suggested it to, to start out. And it this just is. so happened that I've been kind of rolling it around in my head anyway. Yeah. It's something fun to do. And uh, as I understand it, you've been having people bug you about this for a long time. Yeah, ever since I've been doing Belsiverse for years, I've been thinking about either doing a YouTube show or a podcast, something where like I can get my opinion out, because I do the Belser movie reviews on Facebook, and I've gotten a lot of great response. It's gotten to the point now where a lot of my friends on there, and they've been telling their friends, and it's kind of become like their one-stop shopping for movie reviews, which I'm very flattered by, because a lot of people... Like my opinion on certain things and like how honest I am about certain things. I'll yeah. say I'll say what this reminds me of. I say that this is garbage, etc. etc. Like the short they love they really love the short reviews because I get to straight to the point. This movie's garbage. Don't go see this. <laughs> but uh yeah, I've been doing that for a while and you know, I actually tried to do a YouTube channel for a little bit, but I got I just got tired of it. Uh, I just didn't have the time for it. Uh, but then uh as my friend here was helping me move uh, from uh, Long Beach to the, my new location, which I'm not going to divulge. Uh, but he helped me move, and while we were having that conversation, I said, "Hey, you man, tell me in Beverly Hills, you're doing well." 
I'm not in Beverly Hills. <laughs> I'm obviously not in Beverly Hills. <laughs> but, not yet. Not uh, yeah. yet. But uh, we were, uh, yeah, we're having a conversation. I was like, hey, man, you know, we should start a podcast. And he was like, and like, it was almost like I could see a light go off in his face because like, I, I can tell you've been thinking about this for a while. Like, he's like I, I've been thinking about doing something like this just because I wanted to wanted to have something a little more fun, a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, and but, you and I have always talked for hours on end about all kinds of ridiculous but I shit. See, it just made sense. Yeah, I could see it, it, the it, happiness in his face when I said it, too. Oh, yeah. And within, like, two weeks. We, we, I look forward to this. I look forward to this yeah. all week. And within two weeks, we did, like, first show. Yeah. And yeah. if you listen to that first show, you can tell it was within two weeks. <laughs> that audio quality was, was absolute garbage with yeah. the mic we were using. And yeah. And then, plus, the place we picked was a loaded cigar lounge. Which I don't know why it was so busy. It was, like, what? It was a Wednesday night. night. <laughs> and you would have thought it was, like, Saturday at 11 o'clock. Yeah. And the clubs were just letting out nearby. Because, holy shit, dude. Like There ain't no clubs in that area, but like, We've me. been there. We've been there before. Yeah. It was. And it was dead yeah i mean like literally we were the only two people in there and mm-hmm. it was super chill and we're like going, okay it's wednesday mm-hmm. people are working mm-hmm. especially on a wednesday who the hell's going out on a wednesday this would be perfect we can sit mm-hmm. here we can talk and do mm-hmm. our thing yeah and uh our next question sorry actually, if you listen to that first one you're fine <laughs> <laughs> our next question actually comes from a very special member of the uh jd and aj family uh x jude's 58x that on instagram that would be mrs aj Yep. And her question is, what is your favorite chick flicks? Hmm. For both of us. All right. Well, so you go first. I'll, I'll go first. first I'll go time. first. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> uh, I've kind of sort of mentioned this before on our podcast. Like I said, I'm a big fan of the movie Drop Dead Gorgeous. It's a mockumentary about a beauty pageant in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. A lot of great women uh, are in that cast. Uh, like I said, uh, Kirsten Dunst, uh, Denise Richards, uh, Kirstie Alley, uh, Ellen Barkin, uh, Amy Adams, Brittany Murphy, and like I said, it's a female-led movie, but it's so absurd, it's so ridiculous. I, like it, just has a lot of great jokes in it. I love that movie so much. Like that would be my favorite chick flick, as it were. But like in terms of like what would be a traditional chick flick, like a romantic comedy, um, there's a movie called The Truth About Cats and Dogs that from the '90s that I really, really love. It's uh, Janine Garofalo, Uma Thurman, and uh, Jamie Foxx and actually one of his like first roles. I think it's like his first or second role in a movie. I think he's still on *The Living Color* when he did it. It's like okay. early, it's like early '90s, but it's very like Gen X type movie. It, the, the premise of the movie is Janine Garofalo is like this radio host. I think like Seattle or like one of them, one of them, like folksy kind of towns or whatever, mm-hmm. and she's like uh, has a show called *The Truth About Cats and Dogs* where she does like pet problems on the air. And she's really good in it. Oh yeah, 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 I remember this one. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah, and then like uh, nobody knows who she, what she looks like, or she doesn't do publicity. She doesn't take photos and stuff because she has a, a self conscious kind of image issue. Uh, uh, one particular day, she meets this guy on the air. He has like a dog problem. It's like this, you know, handsome photographer guy. You know, movie, uh, romantic movie type stuff. Well, he gets so enamored with her, he decides to visit her at her job. Meanwhile. Uh, she which, had, which isn't stalkerish at all. Yeah, not, stalk, not stalkerish. <laughs> yeah, not stalkerish at all. And meanwhile, uh, the, the Janine Garofalo character becomes friends with this model that lives next door to her, played by Uma Thurman, who's mm-hmm. like real bad with men. But like the sight gag with her character throughout the whole movie is men are flipping over themselves, going out of their way, doing embarrassing things to get a, just to get close to her because she's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And they become good friends. So in the time where the guy comes to meet her, she 
urges the model to pretend that she is her. <laughs> so they do a kind of Cyrano de Bergerac thing. Yeah. yeah, where like they both are trying to woo the same guy. Uh, the uh, Janine Garofalo character with her with her mind and her words, and the uh, Uma Thurman character with her looks, and they both and they both end up falling for the same guy. And then of course hijinks ensue. And of course Jamie Foxx is in it as the sassy black friend, <laughs> pretty much. And you're like, hey man, you could hit that, you know that kind, you know, yeah, that, that, kind, that kind of, of bullshit, kind of nasty shit. <laughs> and another chick flick I like, well, like it's not really a chick flick, but it's a female led movie, Mean Girls. You know, I'd never seen that till I was dating my wife. Yeah, that is her absolute favorite. Is it? Yeah, it's a that's great, her favorite movie. Period. Dude, it's a great movie. I, I, I love the satirical. Thing I gotta I say, it's, it's pretty damn good. It's a really good movie, man. I, I, I like my favorite line in this shit is a uh, is like a little montage at the beginning with some kids and like these little country ass kids. Like I, that's why God vetted the Colt action rifle. He used it to kill the dinosaurs <laughs> and the homosexuals. <laughs> Amen. That should have me dying laughing for a time. So, uh, and then there's another part where they do like a, a, a pageant or whatever at the school. And there's this one uh, big guy who's like gay. And he's singing like the song Beautiful by uh, Christina Aguilera. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Tina Fey's character is like, like she's playing the piano. He's like, don't look at me. <laughs> he starts singing the song and then some motherfuckers are picking on him and throw shit at him as he's singing like I am beautiful and they do some shit at him and he's like words can't beat me down and throws the shit back at him as he's singing <laughs> <laughs> that shit had me rolling man. but yeah that's uh, that's a great female led movie those are those are those are even my top three in terms of quote unquote chick flicks also I gotta throw a Kill Bill in there yeah but it, but I think when she says chick flick She's yeah, not uh, talking about right, right, right. about necessarily female led movies because yeah. there's a lot. I mean, you, dude, we're gonna start going down that road. You gotta you're gonna end up at Alien before too awful long. That is true, right? You're gonna end up and rolling back over to Terminator. I mean, Terminator, Alien, most recently like Wonder Woman and Captain Marvel. Those are female led movies. That's what I'm saying. I mean, you can get into a lot of stuff. So yeah. I think we're gonna keep it more towards the traditional rom com side. I will say, mm-hmm. I'm right there with you on Drop Dead Gorgeous. Yes. Um, this is one that that I'm about to say that. I'm not sure if I want to call it a chick flick because it is a straight comedy, but it is female-led. Mm-hmm. Great Molly Shannon, superstar. Oh, yeah. That was <laughs> it's ridiculous and freaking hilarious. And I can't tell you the number of times, like, yeah. me and all my friends, everything, you know, we're running around as kids doing yeah. the thing, you stick your hand on your armpit, and it's smelling smell like, like that. Yeah. <laughs> I like Will Ferrell's character in that movie, too. It's like, <laughs> the nice moves. Would you like... To dance. <laughs> it's such a weird... It's character. ridiculous. It's but it, it was one of those great SNL breakouts that worked really well. Superstar! Yeah. Now, for the, the traditional side of what I know she's talking about, mm-hmm. Proposal. That Sandra Bullock movie? Yep. Have you seen that? I have. Dude, the, the scene... <laughs> don't judge me. I don't judge I'm you. I, I love... I love... And honestly, what it does for me <laughs> makes a movie... Mm-hmm. It's all Betty White. Oh yeah, okay, it's okay, all okay, Betty okay, White. okay. I'll give Betty you that. White freaking kills me as a girl because the yeah. end of the movie makes mm-hmm. no fucking sense at all. Y'all, like yeah. you're going through this whole thing. He hates her. He's gonna get rid of her. He doesn't want anything to do with her. And then when he finally finally tell the guy from from the immigration the truth mm-hmm. that this is all bullshit yeah. and she runs away, mm-hmm. then he suddenly goes. Oh no, I do love her. Okay, I'm gonna like throw my yeah. whole life away and go fly out and try to chase this chick down because I'm all about her. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. When did we flip that switch? Yeah. It's like, I, I finally watched, uh, <laughs> because you know I was behind on the Marvel movies when I mm-hmm. did this flight back and forth. Mm-hmm. I 
caught up on the John Wicks because I had seen three but not one and two, so now I'm caught up on that. Okay. Watching the Avengers. The thing that drove me nuts in the Avengers is you've got Mark Ruffalo as the Hulk. Mm-hmm. At one point, sitting there, like, he can't control it. He freaks out on, you know, the airship, and he's busting all this shit up. Mm-hmm. And then when he shows up for the fight, oh, that's my he secret. just, yeah, you, that's flip, my you flip a switch, all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I can control yeah. the Hulk. I'm going to be Hulk smash on all this shit. Yeah, that's my it's secret. the same I'm thing I'm in Proposal. Angry. They just flip a switch, where all of a sudden, he goes from he hates her guts, and he's stuck with her because it's the only way to get his job, to, <laughs> oh, I love this woman. Okay, okay, and okay, Betty yeah. White even be like, oh, because he loves her. And the dad's sitting, the, mm-hmm. the dad's got that moment, and there was like, well, what the mm-hmm. hell's going on? Yeah. I was the dad. Yeah. Why is this happening that doesn't make any sense to me? <laughs> okay, going back to the Betty White thing, there's two Betty White bit parts that I love in recent years. First one is bringing down the house where she's like the racist neighbor. Yep. <laughs> she keeps looking at the Queen Latifah character like, what you doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that shit. Yeah, how you doing? Like, yeah, she keeps like, how you doing there, uh, Steve? Uh, Steve Martin. Like, how you doing there? <laughs> and then in Lake Placid, she's the yeah. old lady that kept the alligator in Lake Placid. And she told one of the, I think the sheriff or some shit, like... And she just feeds him? No, 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 she feeds him, but she's like, you know, if I had a dick, I'd tell you to suck it. <laughs> like, that shit, I'd be dying laughing. She's hilarious. Yeah. All right, so my, my third one that, I, that I'm going to toss out there, uh, and it's it's honestly, it's because it's it was Tom's movie, Tom Mankiewicz's movie, and mm-hmm. that guy was, was just awesome and a hell of a great teacher, but Delirious with John Candy. Oh, yeah. Oh, the soap opera thing. Yeah, where he's the soap opera writer. Yeah. <laughs> and he's going in and out of his own things. It's kind of ridiculous. It's campy. You know, it's... Actually, you know, one part of that movie kind of scarred me a little bit. Delirious? Yes. What? The one, the guy with the bleeding gums. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, oh. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. Every time I was like, oh, man. Like, I just couldn't lie. <laughs> like, because that guy, like, oh, like, even now, like, I can't. <laughs> That part drove me nuts, man. Like, oh my god! You gotta love a chick flick that still ruins people's lives. <sighs> oh my god! And I, and, I, and I also had a thing for Emma Sounds back in the day. Okay. Yeah, and she was she was super fine. She's a, she's another one of like, well, it's not really rom com, but it's like you know the Cheech Marin movie Shrimp on the Barbie. No, I don't think so. It was like it was her and Cheech Marin, and like they fall in love with some bullshit like that. But I really liked her in that movie. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, Emma Emma Sounds. For you 80s fans out there from Dynasty. Well, she's in Dynasty or some shit like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Well, and, and the the funny thing, too, the, one, the, the two things I remember most, because Tom was breaking it down when, mm-hmm. when we were in class, was John Cannon, when he rides a horse in the movie. Oh, yeah. He never rode a horse. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> they're, they're talking about the, the stuntman that had, like, this 50-pound, like, fat suit on to try to make it look, you know. Because <laughs> he just physically... It's not it's not that they couldn't have gotten... Because he obviously got, a, you know, a big enough horse to make it look right. Right. It's not that they couldn't have. It's more that John just couldn't physically ride because of what that takes out of you physically to do it. Right. Um, and then the references to Robert Wagner. Oh, yeah. Which he did that specifically because he used to work on... Um, heart to Heart. Heart to Heart for all right. those years. Yeah, ago. yeah. <laughs> That's great. All right, so our next question comes from Six Illustrated on Instagram, our friend Elias, also from uh-huh. uh, Bow Cigar Lounge. What's up? And this is one of those hypotheticals I was telling you about. So his question is this. In Back to the Future, how or where did Marty and Doc meet? Now, they never explained this in the movie, but I was thinking, since we're writers... If we were given the opportunity to reboot or do a prequel of Back to the Future, how will we have Dark? Uh, how, how will we have Doc and Marty meet? Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to throw out my thing okay. first, and you can back piggyback off of it. 
My thing is, I would try to keep it as simple as possible. Like, uh, let's have young Marty. I say, like, maybe just a couple years younger. Maybe he's, like, 12 or 13. Doing his, you know, thing. Got the skateboard. And it's, like, this would be, like, early 80s. So, not... This is, like, at the beginning of the 80s. And um, he would, like, catch Doc, like, at his, like... The little house that he had at the beginning of the movie. The little garage he had. Like, he would, like, hear Doc doing some, like, weird-ass experiment. You know, in childhood curiosity, wandering, trying to figure out what's going on, it would be like some crazy thing, and just some let they would become friends, like because uh, like he's like so enamored with this eccentric old man with these experiments and shit, and then like maybe Doc would have some experiment that really catches Marty's eye, and Marty starts using it, and he's like, oh, this is cool, and then like Doc sees that, hey, it works, you know, that kind of thing, and then the friendship bonds. Goes on. Just keep it real simple. Just kind of a little, little introductory scene or whatever. Didn't, so we'll get it. didn't they already do the prequel to How They Met? No. I think it's called Rick and Morty. Might as well be. <laughs> but It's uh, his grandfather. But no, no, but that's how I would like kind of pitch it. But Well, I mean, I, I, I guess like, it depends on if you want to go with the modern incarnation, if you want to keep it 80s themed, right? So if you want to go with the 80s themed thing, you're looking at Marty's, again, like you said, 12, 13. Mm-hmm. Either he's playing baseball, this friend's baseball goes through the window, yeah. mom makes him start helping out around there by way of an apology, mm-hmm. or he's the paper boy, and they, they meet that way and, and, and yeah. do some sort of a thing. But I think, honestly, since they never really explain the relationship, Mm-mm. other than he's just he's the doc, and they tell him, you need to stop hanging around with that doc, Brown, mm-hmm. there's no reason that he couldn't be somehow or another related, like as an uncle or something. Because, I mean, you never really find out what Doc Brown's family origin is to anything. Right. Right? And, I mean, you obviously know what's going on with, with Marty's mom. Well, actually... Because we no, spent all that time at her house. But you never really get to see what was even going on with the McFlies. Well, actually, he says something about, like, the Browns didn't arrive in Hill Valley until such and such time in one of the movies. So he does a little bit of history. Just a little... Just but a, but, not, but, but not, not, enough, like a, not enough to yeah, be exculpatory, it's like, right? Yeah, it's, like, it's like a throwaway line, but yeah. He does, yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those ones that could be really kind of fun and crazy. I mean, it could actually honestly be... Because you remember... The very beginning, mm-hmm. he starts out in there and he blows out the amplifier. Yeah. So it could be something as simple as with one of the many different you know projects that Doc Brown's working on. Because if you follow it all the way back to the 1950s, mm-hmm. he's in that killer house. He's got all that space. He's got the garage and everything. But by the time you're in the 1980s, mm-hmm. it's basically showing he blew through his family fortune, yeah. chasing all these crazy inventions. So now he's living in this little garage, right? Mm-hmm. So with the opener, when he blows the amplifier, maybe what was going on the way they met, they met in a music store. Doc Brown's trying to figure out, okay, well, these amplifiers, because, I mean, amplifiers in the modern incarnation, mm. that's like, what, mid-60s, I think, when mm. Marshall really started doing their thing with tube amps? Maybe. Maybe the 70s, because it, uh, it all came out with Led Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. That's where that got big, right? And it came out of England. So maybe he's sitting there thinking, okay, I can become the American American guy, get some money rolling again if I come mm-hmm. up with a killer amplifier. Yeah. And that's why you have the whole thing, hey, Marty, don't don't play with the amps. So maybe that's the way to go. Okay. That could be an interesting... That would be. I don't know if that's enough to do a full prequel, but it could it could be a, a good explanation. It could be, yeah. All right, so our next question comes from uh, <laughs> Milton Isaac, Isaac Middleton, uh, actor I worked with uh, this past year on a project. Uh, he has a great question. Um, what do you think is going to, who do you think is going to win, Godzilla or King Kong? Because they're doing those prequel movies now. Yeah. Now, I was thinking, since we got that question, I was thinking we could do it like, like, like 80s wrestling style. So, like, I could do, like, the commentary. Like, uh, hmm. like, 
<laughs> like a Tony Schiavone or Jesse the Body Ventura, those guys like that. Like, Hello there, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of WCW Saturday Night. And we got the brawl to end it all, the war to settle the score, Godzilla versus King Kong. I'll tell you what, Schiavone, I think it's a fantastic matchup we got here today, the ultimate showdown. You got the giant Godzilla, you got the giant King Kong, and these two forces are going to collide today. You're totally right there, Jesse. Now, we got to look at the statistics of both of those characters. Now, we're looking at Godzilla. Godzilla is amphibian. He's at least 60 stories tall, and he has the atomic breath. I think that's going to be a factor, Jesse. I definitely think it's going to be a factor, but you got to go with King Kong. King Kong is the king of the jungle. He's the king of the beasts. He is the man, and he will definitely throw down on Godzilla today. That's, that's, how I <laughs> that's, a, that's a funner way to go with the straight up geek way I was going to do it. Because I was just going to tell you my thoughts on the way it works, but that was certainly more entertaining. Thank you. But now to the, to the point, who do you think is going to win? Uh, if, I had to give, if I had to give a choice, if it's like a long range battle, Godzilla. If it's close quarters, King Kong. See, I, I think if we're going to go, and this is like where the, the total geek in me takes over, but if we're going to go with like what it should be, mm-hmm. it should be it should be Godzilla either way. Because there's not enough that I think King Kong can do. And I guess the other thing too is it depends on the way they decide to envision him in terms of his size. Mm-hmm. Because from the original incarnation, right, mm-hmm. King Kong, yep. he was never anywhere near the same size as Godzilla from the beginning. Godzilla was always taller than all the buildings. Mm-hmm. King Kong was just big enough to climb a building. Nice. So he's like a third, maybe half the size. And then on top of it, what the hell is he going to do when all of his fur gets burned off after he gets the first <laughs> blast from Godzilla? Uh, on the grass? Yeah. I mean, he might as well be Donkey Kong at that point. Like, I don't know what he's supposed to do to Godzilla. I'm sure they're going to blow it out of proportion. Maybe go closer to the reboot size, which had him almost to Godzilla proportions. Yes, it was. <laughs> but even with that, like, I don't, you know, what, what's, what, is he going to bite him? Is he going to try to pull his little tiny dinosaur arms out of socket? Yeah. Like, there's not, there's not as much that he can do as Godzilla can. Godzilla's got that tail. I mean, he's, he's spry, but yeah, I think that's how we're looking at it. Yeah, I agree with that. Now, uh, our next question comes from another favorite from both Cigar Lounge. Of course. Uh, Pac's dad, which is actually our guy, uh, Randy. Randy, <laughs> Randy Patton. Uh, Randy is also a great actor out here in L.A. Uh, yep. Uh, been in a lot of projects. Uh, actually, he's actually in uh, Remember the Titans. Yep. He's one of the football players in Remember the Titans. That was, uh, that was the one, uh, if I remember, he said got him his card. Yes, right. Yeah. So, uh, Randy hits us with a question. He said, first off, congratulations on the podcast. I'd like to know what you guys feel on the latest possibility of the uh, remake of uh, Set It Off. And, what are, and also, what are your feelings uh, if remakes are more of a letdown or ones actually hold up? So, thanks, guys. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, the news is that uh, Issa Rae, who is the creator of uh, Insecure on HBO, mm-hmm. Is thinking about doing an all girl reboot of Set It Off. Oh, I say all girl. It was all girl to begin with. Yeah. But uh, she's thinking about doing a reboot of Set It Off. Now, my personal opinion of it, because the fact that uh, most of the stars, the only one that's been vocal of, of the original people, the only one that's been vocal about the actual reboot itself has been Vivica Fox. I mean, she's that's a hard, it was a hard no. Yeah. So, uh, but do I think? Well, I think that's a good call on her. Yeah. Yeah. Do I think? Set it off should be remade. Uh, no, I do not. Um, 
certain movies, certain movies you just leave alone. Like, uh, I'm not, I'm not gonna say it's like it's a hood classic, but I'm not gonna say it's like oh my god, it's not one of those sacred movies. But it is a hood classic, and a lot of people do not want to see it remade. So here's here's the way that you gotta look at remakes. I think, generally speaking, mm-hmm. you should never do a remake save for one thing. Mm. If it's something that relied on technology in terms of special effects mm-hmm. and it's improved to a point now it's worth a conversation right so like if you're going to remake godzilla for example mm-hmm. it's worth taking a shot at it right now because it can be a hell of a lot better than the original mm-hmm. right going with a remake of something like that i mean okay so what we're going to remake malcolm x next oh god we're going to remake taxi driver yeah screw around with freaking godfather i mean at a certain point you just got to realize keep your hands in your pockets keep walking yeah, or you know, just or just do or, something new. I about to say, just come up with something original. You know, I mean, at the worst, at the worst, do a damn sequel. Yeah, yeah, but do you a know, damn prequel. Just do another. At the worst, or just do another Robin movie. Like heist movies are not exclusive. You can do another yeah. black chick heist movie. It doesn't have to be follow the storyline exactly or set at all. How how many heist movies have there been? I'm, God knows. How since many? the Great Train Robbery, uh, yeah. about a million of them, right? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, they make, I don't even know how many of those show up at AFM every year. Just do your own original heist movie. Exactly. And do something brand new. You know, don't don't rely. And I understand what they're doing because it's a business consideration. They're relying on. Brand identification, the old name, the old shit. So they're going, hey, we can spend less, less money on marketing if we call it the same thing. Yeah. What they're missing, I think, is that they're going to always disappoint a larger segment of the audience than if they tried to do something completely brand new. And they're going to be slavishly devoted to things in the old one. There's no point to be stuck on. You should be able to be free to discover something new. That's right. Yeah, I do agree. I, do. I totally agree with that. So. Now, our next question comes from uh, actually a female fan. Uh, Danielle Golden. Uh, she's a wonderful actress and stunt woman who I actually worked with on the movie, uh, the Andy Samberg movie, Never Stop, Never Stop. And we did, we were extras <laughs> in that movie together. Nice. And we've been friends ever since. She's also a member of the Belsaverse and, like I said, a wonderful actress and stunt woman and mother. And uh, she has a question here, and I think this would be a good, pretty good question. What are your thoughts or opinions on the fact that stunts in movies are not considered a category at the Oscars? You know, I've I've known a lot of stunt guys in my time, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of stunt stunt performers, stunt women. Mm-hmm. They have their own award show, mm-hmm. but I do think that that's that's garbage. I think it, it should be rolled in. It should be something that's that's uh, noted by the Academy at the very worst. Put it at the Sci Tech Awards, yeah, which I still think would be kind of bullshit because most of what gets people super jazzed about movies, the general audience. I'm not talking about because I mean, obviously, you know, you and I both coming at it from a writing point looking at a mm-hmm. director point acting point all that stuff makes sense yes. but they're totally overlooking some of the hugest contributors to what makes film great and entertaining yeah. by yes. not you know adding them and look working with the oscars knowing the way those guys think and what they're doing everything's about time we've got two hours gotta get the show done boom 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 hit our mark because god knows how long these acceptance speeches are going to go mm-hmm. that's why i'm saying fine if you can't fit it into the big night at least put it in the side tech yeah. Because, the I mean, talk about innovation alone, right? Yes. I mean, you look at the history and the progression of stunts, stunt driving, the way they were able to, to do car crashes, things like that. Mm-hmm. There was a gentleman, his name escapes me, I met uh, a while back, but he actually won uh, Stunt Man of the Year uh, for this, uh, this stunt where he ended up flipping a garbage truck. Well, actually, it was a dump truck. Uh-huh. Um, similar to the way they did the one in um, Dark, Knight. Dark Knight, where it mm-hmm. went end over end. Nice. And just the way they have to figure those out, I mean, they're literally putting their lives on the line. Yes, they are. 
it needs to be. That was actually my point I was going to go with because I do agree. Yeah, stunts should be in the Oscars. They give Oscars to lamer categories and goddamn stunts. Like me personally, as a fan, especially like of different movies, like even like the big hoity-toity dramatic ones, stunt people, man, they they make those movies, man. Like freaking those. They put up those particular set pieces or whatever that that the ones that are most memorable to fans. They'll re. They're, I know fans are recreate stunts. You know, even though they, even though they, even though you're not supposed to when they're dangerous, but they will recreate stunts because it was so cool and it was so fantastic that it made them want to watch that movie again. And like you said, they are risking their lives. And I do agree that yeah, it should be a category in the Oscar. If now. you're gonna give an Oscar for short film. You damn well should be given one for best stunt. Even if you don't break it up between men and women, you just do stunt of the year. And most of the short films you've never even heard of. Oh, no. All of the short films you've never never heard of. of. I mean, what? Uh, For Love of Basketball, whatever's the only one anyone heard of. It's because it was Kobe's movie. It wasn't Kobe's movie. Nobody would have even heard of it. But usually it's like some short film about a butterfly in Venezuela. And, like, I like (laughs) short films. I've made a ton of them. I have good friends that made them. There's people that I know that they've literally created their career off them. You know, nothing Mm -hmm. against it. Mm -hmm. But for God's sakes, if that's worth it, Mm -hmm. give the stunt people some recognition. All right. All right. Now, our next question comes from Cool Guy P on Instagram, who is a friend of mine. Chris Purnell. Is he uh, cool? He's a great guy, man. He's yeah. actually a sound... <laughs> he used to be the sound engineer on the Corey Holcomb 5150 show, which is actually my favorite YouTube show. Uh, he was on there for years. And uh, he actually has his own podcast now in Philly, uh, the No Vaseline Podcast. So, guys, if you can check that out, uh, look up Chris on his podcast. They really get into like some serious issues, and he gets some great laughs. So, you know, Good. I want to give him a shout-out, and, of course, they're going to give us a shout-out in turn in oh. Philly. Ah, right. You know, I, know love that. I love Philly. Yeah. All right. Now, his question is, what is your pick for movie of the year of the things you've seen so far? Mm, I'm going to let you do that one first. Okay. My first one, um, because, in fact, these are the two most recent. And funny enough, both of them, my picks for movie of the year uh, both come out recently. And that would be The Irishman, Mars Scorsese, because that's the one. These are the movies I've been invested in the most this year. And Dolomite is my name. Those are my two picks. For movie of the year because those are the ones like in terms of dramatic wise that I've watched multiple times and I enjoy both of them and I love the performances in both movies and like I said like both of them are like comeback movies for some of these actors and too. So it's when you say movie of the year, is yeah. that is that our pick or what we think is going to get best picture? It could be either one. Like, well, if I go, if I go that route in terms of what I think might get the awards and best picture and all that shit, either The Irishman or Dolomite is my name. But my favorite movie of the year has been Avengers Endgame. And that's okay. like the biggest movie of the year. So, you know, I I might just have that darker sense to me, but I'm, I've got to go with Joker. Nice. I like I like where they took it. I, I feel like it did the same thing for the Marvel Marvel uh, or the DC universe rather that uh, Logan did for the Marvel universe. I agree with that. Took it into a, a new, more adult, dramatic area. Yeah, and it, um, and it worked out and, well for and both movies. Def- well, financially, it's been fantastic, but I think it's also got them in a really good spot for the Oscar race. Critically, yes, and I think they've got a great shot. At both it. movies were critically acclaimed, but like particularly Joker because it. It's like the, well, I, think, I think it's like the highest grossing like R-rated movie or something like that. Yeah, of all time. And what's yeah. crazy about it too is because I, you know, again talking Scorsese and all that, I, I was always a big fan of of all of his work, but especially Taxi Driver. Mm. And the ending on Taxi Driver kind of puts this weird semi-positive spin on it. <laughs> where, which did you ever see um, uh, Nightcrawler? 
Yeah, he's the he's the photographer on the street. He's always going around with the video cameras and yeah, everything. Yeah, the uh, news yeah, crew. Yeah, a, that uh, one had a similar kind of a, a a Travis vibe to it, where he was mm. kind of dark and twisting. Yeah, you know, people always said that you know, or I heard a few people say that he was like he's basically Travis's son. Just <laughs> kind of the way they described it, because he's got this weird, dark, twisted thing to him, but he's kind of strangely detached. I felt like the way both of them got away with the shit they got away with mm-hmm. was unrealistic, and I mean, to say the least. Well, except for Travis, because Travis Travis Bickle getting away with um, murder, killing those guys, <laughs> yeah. only because everybody went with the conventional story that he was saving the kid from prostitution. Yes, okay, I can kind of see that. Yeah, right? I can kind of see that. In reality, he was just committing suicide. Essentially, it was suicide by by hustlers. Yeah. Pimps. Yes. This one, it was just so perfect and dark, and the way that it played on the, the mental illness side of things, and took Joker to a place he's never been before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's the one for me. I, I've got to say that for this year. That's what's up. All right, our next question comes from uh, Da Freeney on Instagram. Uh, this is actually a childhood buddy of mine, uh, Steve Freeney. Uh, this is one of those dudes where, like, high school, we would run around and mm. do all kinds of shenanigans and shit. And we usually always did, did it in Steve's car. <laughs> it's like, because he had, like, this white Corsica, and we would be, like, six or seven deep in that damn Corsica. Because <laughs> none, none of the other guys had a car at the time. I didn't get my car until, like, the next year. But, like, Steve had a car. We would go deep in the car. We'd just put in for gas. And we would just go all around Montgomery, you know, we'd go out to eat, go to the mall, school of girls in the Corsica. And <laughs> sitting on each other's laps, it sounds like. Damn near. <laughs> but no, Steve is like one of those great childhood friends. I've known him since I was like 15 years old. And oh, nice. like, we're, we're still buddies to this day. Uh, now, his question is, what direction could Beverly Hills Cop 4 go in? Ah, oh, jeez, man. Yeah. Well... All right, so it th- depends if they want to be typical, but maybe Epstein yeah. didn't kill himself. Yeah, but just for the, <laughs> but just for those who don't know, uh, Eddie Murphy uh, has announced that his next movie uh, that he's going to be uh, doing is uh, Beverly Hills Cop Four with Netflix. Because the fact they have he's had such a great relationship with Netflix so far. I mean, with the Dude, don't, just keep it rolling. Yeah, don't they, they, my name. The the seventy million dollar comedy special, and now Beverly Hills Cop look, Four. The thing they're known for more than anything mm-hmm. is being hands off with talent. Yes. And at some point, it's probably going to bite him in the ass because that's just the way it goes. But. But in the meantime, it's a heyday and it's going to be some good shit. It's resuscitating Eddie Murphy like a motherfucker, bro. Hey, Eddie was never dead. He was taking a break. Yeah, he was. He he had enough money. He was just enjoying his money and and having some fun. Y'all don't have to see me every year. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) You've seen me enough. And then, like, like, I'm just chilling with my family. Like, he said that on his, uh. Uh, comedians and cars with Seinfeld like, like I just chill for like a long time like freaking like well, look, when you got yeah. that kind of money that kind of thing and you can many, afford to work in bursts and that many kids yeah. <laughs> you got like 10 kids and he just had a grandkid that's a lot of birthdays there's a lot of <laughs> birthdays bro I think he said I think he said something like his oldest kid is 30 his youngest kid is like less than one like that's crazy bro that's expensive it's very expensive <laughs> bro but hey he can afford it yeah. Uh, but and what I think Beverly Hills Cop, the direction of Beverly Hills Cop 4 can go, is like maybe you could say it along the lines of like, uh, you know, he hasn't been in Beverly Hills in like 20 plus years. You know what I'm saying? He's been in Detroit. He's risen up in terms of like, you know, because he was like a detective when he was like mm-hmm. the last movie came out. 
maybe he's risen to the point where he's like a captain or some shit like that. Like he's this his work has been so great that he's like, oh my god, like yeah, he's been this captain for all this time, and now he's like running people. He runs the department and shit, and then some bullshit happens where like one of his old friends or one of his old cases leads him back out to Cali again, and it's like. Like, hey, you did this thing back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you left this void or whatever, and you got to go back to L.A., uh, back to Beverly Hills to fill it, you know, or, like, to solve this case or whatever. And he goes back, gets the fucking letter, get the Letterman's uh, Detroit Lions jacket, goes back to fucking uh, L.A. again. But now he's now in modern Beverly Hills, and a lot of shit has changed since the last time he was in there. Like, last time he was in there was, like, the 90s. But now it's, like, the 2000, 2019 or 2020, and kids and the fucking like the got the fucking pop up restaurants and goddamn uh, cupcakes on order and shit like that and you know scooters and like I'm pretty sure there's a lot of shit that he can fucking play on you know what I'm saying being Eddie Murphy being old school being like I don't go so far as say old school because that was the route they went with Shaft I didn't like it because yeah. all, all he did was harp on uh, modern shit and like it just didn't really mesh it doesn't work yeah but he could just like kind of like do his like his thing or whatever as a smart ass and still get old you know what I'm well, saying but, but it doesn't even have to be like the, the old school colliding with the new school so much because you, what, you, what it really comes down to is I don't know the last time you've been in Detroit is but going from I've, the, I've never been to Detroit okay. so going from Detroit to Los Angeles there's enough to harp on just being from Detroit going to Los Angeles because the world's apart Worlds apart the way everyone sees things and thinks about things, but I, I would actually go a slightly different route. I think it might be more interesting um, because he wouldn't necessarily have the support. Go something closer to uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance, where he's a little more borderline burnout. Mm-hmm. He's on the last nerve, like oh man, you know, he's he's basically trying to get back to his detective rank so that he can retire on a full pension because okay. he just got busted down. It's the only reason he's you know even still kind of around. They're basically pulling him out of a bar. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I think I think what would be a good cause to drag him back to L.A. would be, you know, one of the guys dies. Somebody gets killed out here that, that he was buddies with. Like Billy. Yeah, like Billy. Exactly, yeah. You have, you have Billy, Billy gets killed in yeah. the opening se- sequence, and that drags him back to L.A. Because that's, that's been the motivating factor of basically all the... That's, that's always what uh, it is. Of all the uh, Beverly Hills Cops movies is revenge. Like, some somebody he knows gets hurt. He goes out to Beverly Hills to solve it. In the first one, it was his friend Michael yep. Tandino. In the second one, it was uh, Bogomil, the detective out there that, that pretty much put his ass on the line for Axel mm-hmm. at the events of the first one. And in the third one, it was his chief, that, uh, Todd, that got killed by the guy that escaped to L.A. So, fuck it. there's always been revenge. Although, with, the, only, with, uh, the only bummer with Billy Dines, you don't get, you don't get Judd, the, Judd, the patter with Judd. Judd Reinhold, yeah. Yeah, because Judge Reinhold and him had... Great chemistry. Yeah. Judge Reynolds is playing such a dorky guy. Axel! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which was kind of funny. He's basically a sidekick. I'd, so I'd like have, to see that again. So if you're, going, if you're not going to keep Billy... Which, yeah. which could be fun, too, because yeah. Billy's the kind of guy, he would actually get promoted. So Billy can be like can be like a captain he got promoted, or something like that. He got promoted in the last one. Like, That's what well, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Like he he's one of those guys. Like he's he's enough of a rule follower. Mm-hmm. You could see him. He could be like a, like a deputy chief. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so anyway, so that's that's what, right, right, the way I'd go. Make make Axel a little bit farther down, coming back in, because you get that power disparity and all that shit. Okay. Now, this next question is, I think this question is really going to be for me more than you, but because <laughs> okay. uh, well, it, it's actually a Marvel question. Now, probably this, then this question comes from uh, I love the, I love his name too. <laughs> Wait, let me get it. Make sure I get it correct. Because okay, uh, Kakarot Kalrizian twenty three on Instagram. Now, for those of you not aware of what the name is, like Kakarot 
is a uh, for you DBZ fans, for you Dragon Ball Z fans. That's uh, <laughs> that's Goku's uh, Vegeta is a Saiyan name is a Kakarot, and then Calrissian, of course, Lando Calrissian from Star Wars. And the twenty three, I'm assuming, is Jordan. Uh, but yeah, that's some buddy of mine. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't believe you actually has that name. Uh, make sure I get the, his uh, handle correct. Yeah, Kung Fu Kenny. <laughs> Kung Fu Kenny. He's another one of those uh, guy he's geeks disciples like myself. Uh, he has actually moved on. I think he moved like up to the Bay Area, but he's like, he, but we still keep in touch through Belsaverse. He's been a long time Belsaverse member. And we both uh, have fun. Actually, the most fun thing we did together was we went to go see Avengers uh, Age of Ultron uh, together uh, with the whole group or whatever. And these kids behind me just kept spoiling the whole fucking movie. Like, and then I finally, I just, I just had enough and I turned around and told him to shut the fuck up or something along those lines. <laughs> and Kenny... And, and they, Very politely, they, I'm sure. No, I, 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 was pretty, <laughs> I was pretty blunt. I was pretty blunt. Uh, so, it's something along, along those lines. I told him, like, shut the fuck up or whatever. And uh, Kenny senses love to remind me of that. Like, 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 that shit was, <laughs> like, dude, that shit was awesome. Like, it was it was a fun day. But his question is, like I said, um, who, uh, what actor do I see playing Nova in the MCU? Now, for those of you who don't know this character, Nova. Nova, essentially, I'm going to show you a picture of him, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, this pretty much the story of Nova is basically what would happen if you mix the origin of Green Lantern with the origin of Spider-Man. Uh, he's this young guy. He's like in New York, I think in like Long Island or whatever. He gets hit with this energy ray and he becomes this uh, space cop essentially. And he gets the, all these powers and responsibilities. Has no idea how to use them, but at the same time, he has to be a regular teenager and be a superhero. That's where the Spider-Man part comes in. And he was created back in the 70s. And uh, like I said, he's been a longtime favorite of many of the Marvel fans. And they have been hankering for him to get his own movie. Because, in fact, he, they've done pretty much all of the other movies that all of the characters that everybody's want to move for. They, they were petitioning for Black Panther for a long time. Mm-hmm. They were petitioning for Captain Marvel for a long time. Now we got them both. And they were petitioning for Luke Cage and all those other characters. Got all of them now. Now, uh, Nova's one of the few... That hasn't really got his own movie yet. He's been introduced, or the concept of him has been introduced in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies with the Nova Corps, but they haven't actually seen him yet. Now, this is how he would look if he got MCUized. So, so are they still working with this in a teenage character, or are they going with the adult, fully formed adult? There lies the uh, another dilemma right there, because there are two different versions of the character. Now, the original version is a guy named Richard Ryder, which is this guy, the adult right. one. And that was the one from the 70s. He eventually came forth from teenager to adult. And uh, they kind of brought him back and killed him off a couple times. But they also have another version, which is actually younger. And um, the one that most young, modern young audiences would know. And that would be the Sam Alexander version, which is basically a, they, they basically did a reboot of the character and made him a teenager again. Hmm. It's not the same character, but it's another kid that gets the Nova power. And uh, he's been pretty popular. Like, pretty much like in recent years, whenever they do a multimedia version of Nova, it's usually Sam Alexander. Because that's the one that most kids today are familiar with. Uh, but in terms of actors who I could think could play either one, uh, for Richard Ryder, the the whole thing of the character, he's serious, but he's also a smartass. So uh, I'm trying to think of any actors like that around that haven't really done anything with Marvel yet. Uh... So maybe a, like a 
I can, I can see like a Zach Efron. Like, he has to be one of the pretty boy types. Like a Zach Efron. Who, who, Does he have the comedic timing for that? Uh, I think he Because he's been mostly a dramatic actor. True. Oh no, he does because he was in that Baywatch movie. He's actually pretty funny in that. Okay, it was, a, it was a shit movie, but he was actually pretty good in it. Uh, he he can do that. Chris Pine, I know, definitely can do it because he has comedic timing. Yeah, because um, uh, he did that. Oh, what's that shit? But do you really? Uh, think he's, he's, he, the horrible. He, he was one of them horrible bosses. So he was, well, he, he was yeah. hilarious in that. Well, do, you, do you really think he wants to go back to outer space though? I'm sure, the, I'm sure he's that. pretty well. He's pretty well conquered that. I'm sure the paycheck is right in the fucking. <laughs> I'm sure the paycheck is right. He'll go back down. He should space. hold out for Batman. Now, as far <laughs> yeah, now, as far as younger actors go, if they go with the Sam Alexander route, I don't really know too many younger actors out there right now. So you don't but, watch but, Disney Channel? No, I don't watch <laughs> Disney Channel. I got Disney Plus, but I don't watch the Disney <laughs> Channel. Uh, I, I would say probably go with some of the younger actors who were like in runner-ups for Spider-Man. I know there's a couple of them. One of them, Asa Butterfield. I've seen a couple things from him. Or, who would be a good Sam Alexander? I don't know if you saw Brightburn, but the kid who played the Superman character in that might be okay. a good, might be a good uh, Sam Alexander because he already has experience with flying effects and special effects. I think that might well, be a good fit. Since we're talking casting for a second here, mm-hmm. and this hasn't been done, mm-hmm. I noticed like from the drawings and everything, it's a white character. Does it need to be casted as a white guy? That's another thing. Yeah, it's not as well known where it's like, oh, if you make them black, it would be sacrilege. That's a, good, like, that's a, good, that's a very good point. Because like, like when, you, when you look at something like, I know there are a lot of people got upset when, when Annie went from being the little redhead girl to being the, the little, little black, black girl. girl. Yeah. And it's like, I get what, what the filmmakers were thinking, but I also get the people that were frustrated and upset because like, you know, how many different gingers do you have? And if like you're a ginger kid growing up, then like, you know, you, you identify with that, like, you know. <laughs> that that's that's the way that shit goes. Like, and and people when it comes to characters, especially with remakes and old movies, mm-hmm. they they have a certain attachment to it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why they they start getting upset when you start changing stuff around. Like, if you redid Wizard of Oz and you changed Dorothy from being a little white girl from Kansas to the you know little Asian girl or something, people are going to get upset because that's it, just the way some people are going to be. Well, they kind of did do that with the Wiz, right? Yeah. So, but but my my point being. It's something that can get people upset in certain aspects, but when it comes to, to the Marvel Universe, it's been crazy to me to watch how often they revert to essentially drawings yeah. and, and go off of the way it was drawn originally mm-hmm. rather than expanding out. Because, I mean, the fact that it took basically the Black Panther to get a black superhero, yeah. when you really think about it, it's kind of bullshit. Like, you really could have, like, Hawk. Hawk could have been, been a black dude. It didn't have to be... You know, Jeremy Renner. Not that he mm-hmm. wasn't good. Yeah. It just doesn't need to. So when it comes to this, I'm mm-hmm. thinking like, well, you know, does it really have to be some white guy? White I would love for it to be a black guy so I can go out for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be great. I'd have to lose a lot of weight, but I would go out for that motherfucker. I, I, I straight-up would. All you, right, you might actually go for a run. I might actually go for old, a run. Old-school PT. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, maybe. maybe. Let's just do cross trainer, man. It's way it's way easier on the joints. Hey, no, no. I'm yeah, I'm not. I'm yeah, like, I'm, <laughs> I, I'm, 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 I'm an impact. Uh, like I'm a, I'm a low, low, low impact, impact guy. Yeah, so, I'm with you. On so that, I'm usually man. on the elliptical. Or I'm low like impact. Yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, next question comes from uh, a friend of mine, uh, T. Harris, uh, 1908. Uh, wonderful actress by the name of Tanya Harris. She's uh, with me on my sketch show, uh, TMI Hollywood. Yep. And uh, like I said, she's fantastic. She's always wild and. She really brings it whenever I, I work with her. Like, she's actually, I'll, I'll put it aside that time. She's actually my favorite actress to work with. 
because yeah. she really she like she brings she makes me better. That's a that's a that's a yeah. hell of a compliment. She is my favorite, and actually, like uh, for the character of uh, of uh, fucking Pope, that's who I had in mind. That's her. Um, but yeah, like I said, she's a wonderful actress, and like I said, if you go out, get, guys watch our TMI Hollywood, please check her out. I think we're gonna be doing our next show on the fifteenth. At the Hudson Theater in uh in uh for Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood, and she's in it with me, so we're gonna be doing that together. But her question is, do you think the new coming to America will appeal to audiences as much as the original? Mm, right. <laughs> this is the thing. This is the thing that always bothers me with remakes and reboots. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not really. Re- you- it's not really a reboot. It's a sequel. Yeah, but, but but it's a really long like the time. Frame well, but from what like, I understand, with what they've allowed out, mm-hmm. it's 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 almost a reboot. It's almost a reboot because you're bringing back a lot of the same characters, even with Arsenio, and it sounds like Arsenio and Eddie Murphy reprising some of the multiple roles they played, you know, as different characters in there. So I don't know. Look, for me, mm-hmm. if Randy Watson shows up. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a win. From what I saw, uh, <laughs> re- uh, Eddie recently, I think he did some talk show where he was talking about like, uh, oh, no, no. He did a, a SAG After Foundation um, podcast, which is really great, by the way, um, for the actors out there. He did a little thing for the actors, SAG actors out there. And he was talking about that movie. So, yeah, they're bringing back different characters. They're bringing back the characters like the, one, the ones we know, like Randy Watson and the preacher and uh, the old Jewish guy. They're bringing those characters back. Also adding a couple new characters. I'm not exactly sure on that, but he has, he said they're bringing them back. Um, and the whole from what I read, the premise is that during his first trip here to New York, Akeem uh, knocked some chick up uh, during his little tryst, like when he was looking for Lisa or whatever before he found her. And they, of course, he got it in, mm-hmm. and the, <laughs> and the chick that he got it in with like had a baby, and the kids out here in New York, modern day New York. And now he, he discovers that the kid is alive. And now he goes, comes back to America to get his kid. Uh, so that's, that's an interesting pr- concept. So the, pretty much was what I think. Now, in terms of will it appeal to modern audiences as much as the original? I can't really answer that until I saw the finished product. Because the original, like I said, like everybody knows, the original is a classic. The original is very hard to beat. A lot of people consider it the best Eddie Murphy movie, myself included. Uh, in terms of because yeah. of, of the fact it was a reinvention for him because that was the first time he did multiple roles and you saw how really uh, you always look his I'm, yeah. I'm gonna say yeah. it's the best yeah not including delirious true because you can't I mean it's not fair to compare standard yeah no it's not uh, but uh, in terms of uh, like his like his this is the first one that really showed his acting ability yeah. But like, because the fact that he's the first time being his, his range and his, his oh my God, talent but, is completely fully on playing three other characters in addition to himself as, yep. as, the, as the as the lead in the prince, and then he's doing that again with this movie. So I want to see what the how those particular because those jokes, a lot of the stuff in the original one. Is very eighty centric with the Jerry curls and <laughs> so, the, so glow and all that stuff. I'm, I'm trying to see how that what would. Was, what was his name again? Who the the guy that was dating Lisa at first? The so glow. Uh, uh, fuck. What was his name? He was on. He was on ER. Uh, uh, Eric Lasalle is the actor. Yeah, I, yeah. Want, I hope he Daryl. Daryl. Bring Daryl back. Bring back Daryl. Daryl. 
<laughs> yeah, I wonder what Daryl will be doing now. Now that the even, Jared Curls even, even if it's just a cameo, they got to bring him back in. Yeah, yeah, I would love. Like, actually, uh, I don't think he is coming back. I don't. I don't they remember, should. I don't remember seeing him on. Uh, they brought, I'm, I'm willing I've, it into existence. I've seen most of like the casting list, and I don't see him on because they brought back everybody else. So. I, I, I hope. I hope it's just something they're keeping quiet. He's going to pop in for a cameo, like they, selling rims. They even brought back the original Flower Girls. Oh yeah, yeah, they're back. <laughs> <laughs> now they're his flower girls, and him and Lisa's flower girls. So they're, they're husband and wife in Africa. Now I will say I'm I'm freaking stoked and super excited just to have Eddie and Arsenio working together again. Oh my god, I love love those two in that film. I mean they the the, the, the pattern the, the, the back and forth with them is just great. Yeah, that combo that, that combo always works, man. Yeah, they're they're everything fantastic. they've done together always works. Okay. Right, so we got that one out of the way. Now, our next question comes from another actress from TMI Hollywood that I'm with, uh, Meg Henley. Uh, I got you, Meg, on Instagram. Uh, another wonderful actress I work with. Uh, she's one of the newer actresses I work with. I didn't work with her as much as like some of the other ones, but I've gotten to know her pretty well. And she's, like I said, she's wonderful and really good person. And like I said, this is another one you should come check out. At, uh, if you ever get a chance in LA, go check out a show of uh, TMI Hollywood. You know, we can get you some tickets, you know, just come out and enjoy the show. Uh, but her question is, who is the better Spider-Man? I'm partial to Tobey Maguire, but that's my age, I think. So who who do we think of the actors that have played Spider-Man live action is the best? Uh, yeah, I'm going to stick with Tobey Maguire, but only in the original Spider-Man that he did. I, I really didn't care for the sequels as much. By the time we got to the third one, mm-hmm. when they were phoning it in, I was like, come on, guys. <laughs> okay, my, I always had a thing with Tobey Maguire. I was always happy the fact that I just had a goddamn Spider-Man because, like, yeah. we're, uh, at, when that came out... We it grew was, up with cartoons. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was in an age where comic book movies were not as rampant as they are now. Like, Well, this is this is one of the ones that launched it. I mean, it was, yeah. it was Superman, uh, Batman, and Spider-Man. That's what is responsible for everything it's, we it's, see today. There's a couple other ones in there. Uh, uh, well, for Marvel, anyway, the one that really uh, launched Marvel was Blade. Then after that, X Men, then uh, Spider Man. But when you well, actually, I think I'll give it to X Men over over Spider Man. You're right there. But see, the problem with Blade was Blade didn't have the same budget going in and the yeah. same budget going out. It was financially successful, yeah. Which is why they got three. Of them. <coughs> it was mm-hmm. three, right? Yeah, yes, three Blades. Yeah. But I, I honestly, I think Spider Man. One well, here's the thing too for Spider Man, mm-hmm. it's the only thing that's really franchised for for Sony. Yeah. It's literally keeping them afloat. Yeah. Uh, but I'm still going to be partial to Blade because the fact, like yeah. I said, the first one blew my mind. And, but the thing about Blade was a lot of people didn't know it was a Marvel movie until they went into the ship. Oh, yeah. Well, so, I mean, because they, they never branded it that way. They, they set never, it up as a no, standalone. They never, yeah, they never did. So I'll give them that. Yeah, no, yeah. It, was, it was great. Whereas X-Men is very identifiable, identifiable uh, uh, property. Which now, is actually is another great Ryan Reynolds uh, uh, portion. In, uh, was that Blade 2? Was it 2 or 3? Three? 3. He, when he's uh, a slayer with him? Han- Hannibal King, yeah. Yeah. I like I liked his sarcastic <coughs> powder and and uh, Wesley Snipes wanting to like kick his ass every time he opened his mouth. It made me laugh. Apparently, that was on, uh, in the real set <laughs> <laughs> because because yeah. every like Ryan Reynolds was basically doing his his Deadpool years before he knew he was going to do Deadpool. Yeah, and Wesley Snipes was like, "Motherfucker, you're fucking up everything that I'm yeah, trying yeah, to yeah, do yeah, right yeah, now." Nothing, yeah, every it, time he opened his mouth, he wanted to hit him. Both, you both Ryan Reynolds and Jessica Biel say there's nothing positive they can say about Wesley Snipes <laughs> in that movie. 
they, he did, like he did not like them very much at all. Well, no, they were they were turning the whole thing into a joke, which yeah. is something funny to say about Blade. But there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, but as far as my choice of Spider Man go, I'll go with uh, Tom Holland. I really like. I really enjoy yeah, Tom Holland. He's, he's not bad. No, he's not bad at all. Like, and then like he of the Spider Man actors. He is number one. He's the first one who's actually done it as a teenager, which is what the character yeah, meant true. to be. Because both Tobey Maguire and, and, and Andrew Garfield were both like twenty five when they got cast. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, he's also a legit gymnast, so a lot of the stunts he does is him, which is really cool. And he yeah. does like when he goes to, like the hospitals and shit, he'll go in a Spider Man outfit and do backflips. Yeah, you know, I've I've seen that. I've yeah. seen some of that video. That is pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty fucking cool. And then like in terms of like the the awkwardness of Peter, and then like. Uh, how he's super confident in Spider-Man and the awkwardness of him as Peter, I really enjoy. All pretty much all the actors have that, with the exception of Andrew Garfield. Andrew Garfield's one was a smart ass as both Spider-Man yeah. and Peter Parker, which I did not like. Um, but and, well, and the other mm-hmm. thing he's got going for him uh, that Toby doesn't is mm-hmm. he never did emo Spidey with the bangs in his. That ass. was so awful. Every. <laughs> That's like yeah. that's the one thing I have to say I hated the most about the early. Spider-Man. Everybody hated it. like e- like either people seriously hate emo Spidey or I think it's hilarious. Either no, way, I hate yeah, it. yeah, I hated emo because, Spidey. And and honestly, the other thing I really mm-hmm. don't like about the original um, iteration of the whole thing was mm-hmm. they, they got rid of the Green Goblin too soon. I really liked I really liked Willem Dafoe as, as the Green Goblin. Goblin. Yeah, I, I agree with that. They should have kept him going. Uh, I think they too. They did, I think they did too much with the Goblin family because they had him, and then they had the son. That's because they realized they screwed up by getting rid of Willem. They yeah. they could have got rid of him on the first one, done mm-hmm. Doc Ock for the second one, and brought Willem back for the third. But the real the real tragedy of that whole franchise, is fucking Topher Grace's Venom. <laughs> that shit was awful. Uh, oh yeah. god! But going back to uh, Tom Holland a little bit. Uh, only thing I liked about Tom Holland, especially in Spider Man Homecoming, and like I said this in my review of it. One thing I always loved and I always thought would be a good idea is what if circa 1985 Michael J. Fox plays Spider-Man? That's basically how Tom Holland plays me. He kind of looks like Michael J. Fox too. Yeah, a little bit. But the same like kind of like nervous energy and like because Michael J. Fox did a lot of athletic shit before you know shit happened. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he yeah he would do a lot of stuff like that. The energy that Michael J. Fox had and I was that little nervousness he always had about him. That's how what a lot of that I see in Tom Holland. And then of course certain scenes in terms of dramatic scenes, he is killing both Garfield and Tobey Maguire because like. He's got chops. He yes, really he does. does. Like, there's one scene in Spider-Man: Homecoming where he's like, it's a it's a recreation of a famous Spider-Man panel where Spider-Man is stuck on a bunch of rubble and he's like thinking about his Aunt May and his life and he's like, but he's he's so strong but he can't get this thing off of him. And he's like trapped and he doesn't know what to do. And then Tom Holland does that in the movie. He's crying. He's like, somebody help me! Somebody help me! Because despite the fact he's Spider-Man, he always reminds you that he's still just a kid. Yeah. And like he like it was heartbreaking. Like he's like, Oh my god, help me, help me, help me. But I mean, he find, but he finally finds the strength to get himself off. And he has a similar scene in Infinity War when he disintegrates. And like that's the one that broke everybody's heart in the movie. When I went to go see it in the movie, like he was like, well, that's, oh, that's, that's, that's that's a spoiler. <laughs> Like if you if you have seen it, uh, it's like the, hey, big, the two we were, two we, of the biggest movies of the last like what over years or whatever like the last two years. Hey, we were yeah. doing we were doing spoilers if it was less than two 10 of years the biggest two of the biggest movies of all time. You ain't seen the shit yet. I'm sorry. I'm fucking whatever. Like you've seen references in like damn near everything. Family Guy has done references. Fucking Simpsons has done references. Goddamn. 
talk shows like fucking like uh, Jimmy Fallon should have done <laughs> Thanos snap references. If you ain't seen that shit so far, I'm sorry for you. So at one point, Spider-Man gets fucking disintegrated. <laughs> but in preceding that, Tom Holland grabs Robert Downey Jr. He's like yeah. fucking like, hold on to him. I'm a guy. I don't want to die. Like, oh my! I was like, damn, that broke your heart, man. It really did. Look, as long as yeah. as long as he doesn't spin off the mm-hmm. rails like so many people in the business do. Yeah, the, the kid's got a hell of a bright future ahead of him. Yes, he I does. mean, aside from the fact that they're opening up the bank vault for him right now because he's he's killing in the franchise. Yes, it is. He he actually has some ability there to make it. Yes, he does. You I, know what I mean? I'm rooting for him because I think he's a great young actor, man. I really do. Uh, so it kind of reminds me of the young, uh, um, like Mark Wahlberg, in terms of that. I think I think Ooh. people are underestimating him a little bit. Talking about in terms of dramatic, dramatic range. Maybe. I think he's got some shot to it. Maybe. All right. So our next question comes from a friend of mine, uh, A.S. Flemings, another actress friend, uh, Ayana Flemings, a wonderful actress out here in L.A. Uh, funny enough, she actually played my wife in one of my first gigs out here in LA. When I first came out here, it was like an industrial video for like a rehab center. Mm-hmm. And she played my wife in it. And then was she, she supportive? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then actually a couple months ago, we did a commercial together for like this uh, pharmaceutical thing. And that was the first time I've seen her like, well, that's the first time I've seen her in like a little bit. Because we, like, we've, we've gone to like events together. I uh, actually had like um, Thanksgiving at a house, I think, one time. And she's a wonderful actress, very supportive. And one question that she has is actually in, refer- in reference to our movie Docs. Oh, okay. And the question is, what was the inspiration for the movie? Uh, JD is the inspiration for the movie. Damn right, I am. It's it's uh, completely autobiographical. Yes. Everything that takes place and is said is specifically <laughs> and exactly the way it occurred. Okay, let's go back to that a little bit. Uh, the actual movie itself is based on my time as a hospital corpsman in the U.S. Navy. Uh, I did it for five years, from uh, 2003 to about 2008. And like I said, I consider those my college years. And I had a lot of fun. I was able to travel the world and also do a job, you know, do have on-job experience in terms of medical uh, medical uh, uh, profession, which was actually my direction initially when I first got out here. Uh, that has since changed. But uh, I had a lot of fun. I made a lot of great fans and we got to a lot of crazy shit. Okay. And I thought, you know, this particular job in the U.S. Navy has never really been seen on film. There have been Corman mentioned in films. I think the most famous one was like Tears of the Sun, where like uh, mm. some guy asked, "Are you a doctor?" No, I'm a corpsman. Like that, that that's like the one line that everybody spouts from that shit. Or, or you have the uh, ubiquitous lines in the movies from the '60s and the '70s where someone gets shot and you hear him scream "Corman," or yeah. they scream yeah. "Doc." Yeah, uh, actually, they did that in Hamburger Hill. I watched that yep. the other night. Uh, but yeah, listen. But the actual job itself has never really been done on film before, and I thought, you know, this is a great, this is a very unique thing. And it's a very uh, unique job. And I was thinking in terms of, like, how I wanted to do it. I didn't want to do it, like, straight up, like, you know, action thing or whatever, and sad and dramatic. Because that's what it was. That wasn't, that wasn't what it was. It was a really silly time in my life. And we had a <laughs> lot of fun doing a lot of crazy, a lot of stressful shit. And I was thinking, like I, like I mentioned before, I'm a big fan of mockumentaries like Drop Dead Gorgeous. I thought that would be a great way to approach this, you know, do it as a mockumentary, you know, this like the the greatest story never told type of deal. And of course, I got inspiration from other military films like Stripes and mm-hmm. 
and Sergeant Bill Coe. And uh, AJ here is a huge fan of Major Kane, which, oh, which deals with the Marine Corps, which is also another part of this movie. I think the first time that we ever talked, we spent about 15 minutes swapping lines for Major, Major Kane. Major Kane, yep. Sure did. <laughs> and... And but I was thinking, well, I was thinking of movies like that. But I also was thinking of movies like Police Academy, where they had like mm-hmm. movies like a group of misfits, you know, working together. Who they, they seem like screw ups, but when time comes for them to get shit done, they get shit done, and they do it in a great way. So I thought it'd be a great inspiration for a great movie, and we've been working on it for a while. We just finished it a few months ago, and we're still in the process of getting it packaged so we can uh, get it like sent out. Get it sold, get it sold, get it made, you know what I'm saying? And get this thing done. But that was the inspiration. Basically, my time as a corpsman in the U.S. Navy. Uh, that was the inspiration for Docs. And I just have a fucked up sense of humor, and uh, I'd say stuff that made him laugh, and we, <laughs> we, we just built it together from there. <laughs> You're damn right, man. All right, so our next question comes from uh, Dean Mac 87 on Instagram. My, my buddy from my, my, uh, <laughs> from my Oceanside uh, San Marcos days. Um, Dean McCastle. He's one of those guys. He's like a real cool dude, super party guy, like the super chill dude that always come through, like fucking like always, he always, he usually always was high as shit, <laughs> but he would come through and the party would get started, bro. Like he's always so positive and I was like, yeah, bro, let's go out party, let's do this shit, whatever. And we had a lot of great times together. We went to like fucking EDC parties together. We, uh, we hung out at this bar in San Marcos called the Jumping Turtle. With a lot of our friends out there, and we would like we'd be there out there Saturday nights, and we'd just get into some crazy shenanigans, and then we would go to our friend Orlando's house, him and his girl Kylie. They would have a house right by the bar, and go to their house. Sometimes we sleep over, sometimes we just chill, but more and more often now we just go out there and have a good time. And uh, yeah, I haven't seen I haven't seen them in years, but we still talk on Instagram, and I would, uh, I would love to see them again. I probably whenever I go down to San Diego. Uh, but his question is actually more for you than me. Uh, what is your take on the Hitchhiker from Fear and Love in Las Vegas, which is apparently is one of his favorite movies? And his questions are why, how? Well, Tobey Maguire and movie magic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a starting point. But I mean, you got to you got to remember, right? So. Mm-hmm. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, that's what, 1960-whatever it was when, mm-hmm. when Hunter S. Thompson wrote it? Yeah. So they're still trying to make this a period piece, even though they're making them, what, like, 89, 88, whatever that was? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was even the early 90s when they were going there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the hitchhiker side of stuff works great, I think, for, for two reasons. One, it firmly establishes for people the rules of of the world in which this is operating because it's a very cerebral film where mm-hmm. you're jumping in and out of all of these drug-fueled moments and because it's from Hunter S. Thompson's perspective you're, you're being swung around in circles and stuff's constantly shifting and changing and morphing from one way to another mm-hmm. giving you uh, the hitchhiker at the beginning mm-hmm. and again at the end gives you a sense of no, all this shit is happening in the real world. <laughs> so even though you're seeing this fucked up stuff happening from Hunter's perspective even though you're watching him uh, descend into madness at times and and have all of these weird uh, um, hallucinations Mm -hmm. these are people in our world doing the shit (laughs) which which I think I think is very important because it it drags you back to it and then it also leaves that kind of a a fun last little jab at the end with the bat Mm. when the bat drops out 
Okay. Because, you know, the opening scene with these goddamn bats. <laughs> That's right. Goddamn bats! That's right. No point in mentioning them. Yeah, yeah. All right, cool. All right, so our next question comes from... <laughs> our next question comes from a family member of mine. Uh, Retro Rick on uh, Instagram, who's actually my brother, Rico. <laughs> and uh, like I said, he's my, my brother. Not really much explanation needed. Like, yep. Did we hang out together for years and years? Yeah. We How fucking, long have you known him? <laughs> pretty much his entire life. So uh, actually, he's, I'm five years old. Of the two of us, I'm five years older. He'll he'll be thirty this coming year. I'll be thirty five. So you're the bad influence. No, not at all. <laughs> no, he uh, he kind of he always did his own thing. Is, but, is he the one who got away with everything? You got blamed. There were times when it felt that way, but uh, I will say one thing I do appreciate about my brother in terms of like his knowledge, I taught him. So like in terms of his love of movies and TV okay. shows and shit like that, he learned it from his brother, and like he and his opinions are like he surprised me sometimes. Like his opinions are really good. I'm like that's actually a really good point. Like yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like, like it's, he, a, fa- it's like, a family thing. It's he, family. He, he, try, he, he like he's kind of like under he kind of under in the cut with it, kind of underland with it, like freaking. But he he has great opinions, and I, I really want to find a way for him to get that out. So because like, sure. he's my brother, you know what I'm saying. So, but his question for us is, and I know I, I knew he's gonna ask this too. Which Godfather character does your little brother remind you of? I know the answer he wants me to say, and uh, he does kind of. Uh, he 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 has little moments of that. Uh, Michael, Michael Colion. That's what he wants me to say. Uh, he does. But what do you, you want to say? No, he does remind me of Michael. Okay. <laughs> of, of the two of us, he does remind me of Michael because he's the one that you know. He's the one that stayed. He's the one that you know. Mm-hmm. In his mind, he's trying to you know kind of pick up the fan or whatever. So are you Sunny or Fredo? I'm Sunny. He calls me Fredo. But I'm, <laughs> I'm want to be Sunny. <laughs> I'm more Sunny. <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> Uh, you know, Sonny was the more aggressive one. Sonny got laid. Uh, Fredo was a fucking coward. And, like, I don't want to. No, I don't. No, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want like, I didn't appreciate. Little, it. I, I, that's the one thing little, I'm talking about. Little coward, big fuck up. Yeah, exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't. No, I'm not Fredo. Uh, but freaking. Um, yeah, I, I would consider myself. Speak Don Corleone. <laughs> nah, go for the top. Oh no, pops is Corleone. <laughs> our, pop, our pops is Corleone. Trust me, uh, I'm, not, I'm not gonna touch that. <laughs> Cor- Corleone with his Tosh point <laughs> But Rico, but Rico, for for the world to know, the one member of the Godfather that you remind me of is Michael. All okay, right. you good now? <laughs> oh man, I knew he's gonna ask that shit too. As soon as, as soon as I, fishing for a compliment. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, he's my brother. He deserves. Hey, it, good so. for him. Yeah. All right, so our next one comes from Iraq Two Tours on Instagram, who's actually my friend of mine. Uh, another one of those guys from uh, Montgomery, Mike. I'm learning that your friends are better than my friends. Yeah, oh yeah, because you all my, my friends. Are, <laughs> so, so far, so far, my, all my, my friends are the ones that get my, questions. My wife went ahead and submitted a question. Yeah, that's the only person that gave But apparently, them. aside yeah. from you, none of the rest of my friends <laughs> care about comic book movie shit like we do because they're not submitting anything. It didn't have to be comic book movie shit. It could be just movies in general. But okay. it, could, it could be anything. Yeah. Well, okay. it is what it is, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry, bro. I got good friends. But yeah, this is my buddy, Micah McKay in Montgomery. Um, this is another one of those guys that I've known since, you know, I was like 13, 14 years old. Uh, he's actually cousins of my best friend uh, during that time frame. And uh, we would, that's another one. We would go out, we would hang out, we do all kinds of crazy things. Micah's back in the day, was one of those cats where you like, 
he was the one like if you would dare him to do some shit like fucking he'll do it like fucking all you gotta say is like fucking you got a man if you don't do it he'll do, <laughs> he'll do that he'll do some crazy shit man. I double dog dare you pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but he is uh, but he uh, went into the marines and he is now a family man and he's like, he's he's one of my better friends and my like whenever we like whenever I have like like he's a big fan of like the Arrowverse and like all the stuff like MCU questions first person he'll call when he has a question is me. And like I love talking about that kind of shit. First so, person like, I call when I got those questions is me. Yeah. So so, but yeah, we talk about that shit. And then most of this shit is actually about. He actually gave us four questions. All right. And most of those shit is actually from me. But uh, I'll, if you want to, <laughs> you want to jump in. Hey, you, you know, know what? If it's too deep on Marvel, no, I'm not even going to try to touch most it. Of them, I'm just going to fuck it up. Most of them are, but there's a couple of them that you could probably jump all in right. on if you want to. The first one actually is a. Uh, uh, he's not sure how Marvel's going to incorporate mutants into the MCU now that you know the properties from uh, X Men are now owned by Disney. Uh, and also, if, if they do do that, will Apocalypse be the first mutant like it was established in the X Men movies? Personally speaking, um, they've been talking about how they're going to introduce mutants into the MCU. A lot. One fan theory that I saw online was that they're thinking about like the whole snap that Thanos did. Like it rewrote reality in a lot of, in ways that a lot of people didn't realize. So that they, one of the snaps, either the Tony Stark snap in Endgame or the Thanos snap in Infinity War, is what's going to uh, re- reawaken or awaken the mutant gene uh, throughout the world. Now that would be an interesting way to go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, like like where did these mutants come from? Like freaking like the snap, something like that. You know, because like they haven't introduced or even thought about mutants. To this point, so they have to make up something. Does, does that does that impact the earlier stuff they've done in the other X Men movies? Because they've done origin stuff in the other X Men movies before about it being a natural evolution. I, I, yeah, I think it would, but like I, I think because of the fact this will be a it, it'd be an interesting aspect. Like maybe this unnatural event awakened this natural evolution. It's just it's just a, just a thought because I know they've mm-hmm. kind of done a little bit before mm-hmm. with some of the earlier X Men films, but. Yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's one way they can go with it. And then as far as Apocalypse being the first mutant, uh, one thing about MCU is they are very comic accurate, and that's how it's been introduced in the comics, that Apocalypse, uh, the villain Apocalypse, was the first mutant. They might go that route again. I don't know how they would do that or reboot it, whatever, but uh, uh, we'll see. Now, the next question would be, will we ever see another Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? And he kind of, because yes. he's, kind of, he's kind of a fan of the... Michael Bay rebate a reboot. Really? He, he liked he, it. He's the he's the guy who liked the turtles. He said he liked it. <laughs> I didn't mind. Okay. It. I didn't I mean, mind it. I, I'm just I'm a kid of the '80s. Yeah, me too. I like, can't help it. Yeah, like me too. And actually, I like a lot of people shit on the second one, but the second one was probably the closest to the actual cartoon. The probably end of the movie. Yeah, the second movie it was great. Like freaking like they had the t- the terodrome and Crane yep. and. The Shredder and like that's the closest to Dude, the TV that show. Great. That was closest to the TV show than most of the movies, man. So I, and then they had the traditional Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles at the end, the rock version. They're the world's most fierce. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah I was killer, with it. Man. I was with it, man. Uh, but as far as I know, those series of movies they haven't announced any plans. But I know they are doing another Turtles movie in some form. So we'll, we'll see it. Or a um, Turtles movie or TV show? I think the, uh, no, actually, I think the news I heard was that they're gonna do. Just like the Michael Bay reboot, but on TV show scale. So I don't know how they can pull that off. Well, and I can't but, remember is that is that hooked, who who owns that now? Is that hooked in with Nickelodeon? Is that going to go Netflix? I think it's Nickelodeon. 
Yeah, I think that's part of the new Netflix. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Got. That's right. They just did they're bringing, it. They're bringing the old properties, and I think they've got like an overall to start doing um, a lot of the old properties in there. You are and right. And they're doing reboots, and uh, Ninja Turtles is one of the reboots. That's right. Okay, so like it's coming to Netflix apparently, man. Uh, also, next question: Do we have any in- info on the new Doctor Strange movie coming out? Like, what's it going to be about? Mm-hmm. Uh, the the next Doctor Strange movie, which they announced at Comic Con this past year, was a uh, Doctor Strange in the Multitude of Madness, and it's supposed to go, supposedly going to feature uh, uh, the Scarlet Witch, uh, Elizabeth Olsen. Uh, one thing about that character in the comic books is that she's always been like uh, her thing is like they she always been introduced as a mutant, but most of her powers are magic based, so they. It'll introduce her in Doctor Strange movies every once in a while. Like, hmm. So, uh, what I'm thinking is, because that character in the comic books has a history of uh, mental instability. So, uh, it's possible she might go nuts after all the shit that's happened with, you know, uh, Infinity War, losing Vision and the Snap and all the shit. She might go nuts and create this, like, fucking divergent thing in the multiverse. And Doctor Strange has to stop her. Or something along those lines. That's why I'm thinking they might go with that. Um, so, but that's all the it's information. Not a bad direction. No, it's not. And I, that's all the information I know so far, Marcus. So, uh, also, and this is the last one. Uh, why in the hell is Disney Plus bringing back Iron Man? I just got over his death at Endgame. Now they're just playing <laughs> with my emotions. <laughs> they're not bringing him back. Bringing him back like the, Tony Stark. Fuck it. You know, Tony Stark died at the end of uh, Avengers Endgame, pretty much saving the universe. Now Robert Downey Jr. is coming back. As Tony Stark, but in prequel form, and also they have like the show I told you told you about. What if? Yep. That's another one that they can bring them back for. It's a hypothetical show. It's not real. Like freaking, these are hypothetical situations. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? These <laughs> are all. First of all, yeah. these are all hypothetical the situations. They all comic book characters. And, and second of all, yeah. Yeah. it's simple. <laughs> Why are they bringing them back? Yeah. Why are they pulling your heart? Money. Strings, yeah. Money. money, money. People love money. Tony Stark. They money, want, money, money, despite money. the fact they kill him off, they still money. want him back. Yeah. But he's coming back just in, in like just like uh, as a sort of just like a cameo in this what if series, and also yeah. he actually is coming. But he's going to be in the Black Widow movie as a, like I said, the Black the Black Widow movie a is a prequel. He's not because dead it's, yet. it's her when she was still in in uh, Russia, essentially doing her like spy shit before she joined. No, I Shield, think right? I, I, no, I think the storyline is between Civil War and and, and uh, Avengers Infinity. Oh, I War. thought they were doing all the way prequel. Like, no, the very no, no, not that not that far. Oh, no. okay, just like it's between Civil War. And Infinity if it War, does so. well, they should do her origin. Yeah, because at, at the end of Civil War, they need War, to do it while she's still young. Yeah, cause... at the end of Civil War, she went on the run. So that, that, okay. I'm, guess, I'm guessing during that time, and like I said, Tony Stark's still alive during that time. So that's why they're bringing him back. Okay. For that. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes, it does. All right. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> These are all hypothetical situations. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> that was fucking funny. <laughs> Thank you. I had my moments. Shut up. <laughs> All right. Uh, this next one comes from an, another actor friend of mine, Austin Gelbman, another member of TMI Hollywood. Come check us out at the Hudson Theater off of Santa Monica Boulevard in Hollywood. AJ's actually been to a show. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not bad. Yeah, yeah, AJ's been to a show. Him and his wife have been to our show. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, his question, like I said, Austin also, um, I got to talk about Austin. Austin's another great young actor out there. He's Really, like, really short little guy, but, re- but like, really funny. And, like, he'll, like, like he's one of the ones where he'll just say a word, and it's like, oh, my God, that's fucking hilarious. How he says it, you know what I'm saying? He's, he's a really good young actor. I, I really love working with him. Uh, why don't they ever make sequels to movies like I Am Number 4 or Chronicle? They have such badass concepts. Now, 
box office. Yeah, that's basically what it. That's that's my question. That's my answer to that shit too. Was like because the fact they didn't do well at the box office. Well, Chronicle did okay. It didn't do. It didn't. It didn't do well enough. And that's and mm-hmm. that's half the problem too. It's like it's why you you get into remake and sequel hell is mm-hmm. what I, I want to call it. I mean, very very rarely do you end up getting a really good run like what was been going on with the MCU. Mm-hmm. Um, you generally instead of ending up with the Avengers, you end up with Godfather three before you know it. And you're like, oh, fuck, <laughs> what happened? Like, how did we go off the rails here? Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, the, the simple truth is, when it comes to marketing films, it's expensive as hell mm-hmm. to do a big a big film. Basically, the way that I was always taught is you you look at whatever you spent on the film. Mm-hmm. That's the same amount of money you should be planning to spend to market it. Um, and so, when it comes to marketing something like Chronicle, right? For example, mm-hmm. I don't know. They made that. I'm gonna guess 35, 40 million. They probably spent around the same to market it. Yeah. They look at the response and they have a metric and all kinds of shit that the guys that graduated from business school from Wharton are sitting there looking at. And they're going, okay, did we make the impact that we want? Did our our push on this marketing get the return we anticipated? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, then they ignore it. And the caveat being, if it turns out to be something like family guy right where we canceled it we're not doing shit with it and over the next three years suddenly you know my vod guys come back to me and say hey we're selling this thing like crazy we're getting downloads like crazy this shit is is going really good Mm -hmm. then we can have a conversation about doing uh doing a a sequel or something like that the other thing that comes into play but i don't think it's the the case in this situation Mm -hmm. sometimes somebody wants too much cash it's like Mm -hmm. we talked about a while back with you know losing terrence howard and iron man yeah there was too much haggling back and forth on on the price, and it wasn't worth it to him. And unfortunately, you know, we lost him, and we had to kind of reset the relationship dynamic between you know Tony Stark and. Uh, it's just the way it goes. Uh, but that, that's that's the simple answer I'd give on it because I mean you, they're not bad concepts. My thing was just box office, so that's yeah. pretty much my answer. Uh, like I said, I, of those two movies, I like Chronicle a little bit more. Uh, I thought that was a really cool yeah. concept and shit. Uh, but I, I thought Iron Number Four was okay. It didn't really wow me, so yeah. I, I didn't really care too much about that movie one way or another. Fair enough on the reviews. Fair enough on the reviews. Uh, that is basically all the questions. That wasn't bad. That wasn't bad at all. Yeah, like I said, our, for our first uh, Q and A show, this was actually like we got like over an hour of like material just because just some of the questions. That wasn't bad at all. Not bad at all, man. You want to ask me any questions? No. <laughs> Well, I, I got one question. <laughs> Why the fuck did you think I wanted to try to... I will ask that question. Uh, it just seemed like the kind of thing you'd like. Oh, <laughs> that way you could have the experience of having been there walking through the night market. I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, our next show actually is going to be another watch along. And I just put this poll out on uh, Facebook. It's going to be Christmas oriented. Now, I put out a couple choices... For us to watch along, and you guys can, you know, we do our factoids, you guys listen and laugh along with us. Now, I put out four choices of unconventional Christmas movies. Uh, the choices were Die Hard, Trading Places, Scrooged, and The First Lethal Weapon. Now, I've been looking at the polls today, and so far, the leading, the obvious choice leading is Die Hard. But, with all honesty, Trading Places is right on his ass. You know, I, I I'd be stoked to do any one of those. Me too. Those yeah, they're all great. Yes, I, I, I would and I'll be honest. Of all of them, Scrooge yeah. is the one I've watched the least. Really? So yeah, and I like it. I just I I just happen to have watched Die Hard probably 
85, 90 times at this point. Me too. Um, same thing with Trey same thing with places, places, yeah. And same thing with Lethal Weapon. I, actually, Le- you know, Lethal Weapon is probably the least Christmas, unconventional Christmas movie in that list. Because sure. you really only get that it's Christmas at the very end. Yeah, but I, I, will, I will say this. Um, up, uh, going back to your thing, like, freaking Scrooge is the one you saw the least. Lethal Weapon is the one I've seen the least. Really? Yeah, I like Lethal Weapon, but, like, I don't like, I don't like it that much. I, I, it's weird to say it. I like Lethal Weapon. I like the concept of Lethal Weapon. But I, I think it's just because I hated how, how much how bad Murtaugh was treated. I just I was, <laughs> I would hate, I would hate that with those movies because, like, Riggs is the fucking unstable one, the ridiculous one, and fucking the one that should be going through all the hell that Roger goes through. But Roger's the family man, the decent guy. But he gets put through the ringer every fucking movie. Well, literally that whole thing where he's like moaning and stuff is like, what the hell? Now I have to take care of this like psycho asshole who's going to yeah. get me killed. Yeah. That, that's perfect. I mean, he really, he really truly is the that's poor really, guy who's like, here's, here's the mentally ill guy that you have to handle. Yeah, but they're like, well, like, they've, they've blown up his house. At least they destroyed his house in like every movie. Yeah, pretty much. I, I know they destroyed his house. They've kidnapped his family. <laughs> they've abducted his family. They've assaulted him. He's been like ostracized and beat down and slapped. While Riggs gets the girl, Riggs gets the guns, Riggs gets the glory. And then he and then people think he's cool because he can do like cool shit, like fucking like he does pranks and like he can pull his fucking shoulder out of his socket. He can do roundhouse kicks. He do roundhouse kicks <laughs> and lives in a fucking like lives in a dope ass trailer on the beach. Like now, I will say. Yeah. Um, as I'm looking at it, I think about all of them. The, the most appropriate one would probably still be Lethal Weapon because Gary Busey. <laughs> <laughs> I was just about to say that. I know, I know he's going to But, but that's up. pre-accident Gary, Gary Busey. Busey. Yeah. <laughs> so in that one, uh, he seems a lot more menacing and a lot more straightforward. Oh, he, was, oh, he was a great villain. Although it's not yeah. fair to say more menacing because when you listen to him now, mm-hmm. he can scare the shit yeah, out of you. Yeah, he is very menacing now. Like, did you did you see that episode of uh, Entourage he was in? No. It, dude, it's freaking hilarious. This guy, uh, was it the, the turtle character or whatever, fucks up some painting of his. Mm-hmm. And Gary Busey is explaining to him how he could kill him like six different ways before he hit the ground. And the mm-hmm. turtle, the, um, Jerry, I can't remember his last name, who yeah. plays turtles, is sitting there yeah. scared shitless yeah. as he's, he's, he's scaring the hell out of him. It's yeah. the ramblings of an insane person, and it's brilliant and wonderful. I tell people all the time, to this day, my favorite Gary Busey role is still him in Black Sheep. Dude, that is... <laughs> Drake Savage. Drake Savage. And <laughs> Black Sheep is still my favorite Gary Busey role. <laughs> Hold your tongue, witch. <laughs> Certain savage was killed in Iwo Jima. A zeppelin landed on his head. Smashed his head clean through his ass. Oh, no, that was the, the Ardenne. Yeah. The Ardenne Forest. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. Other, it was the other savage guy yeah. killed on, uh, on Iwo Jima. Yeah, yeah. Because he's had, yeah, he's had yeah, family yeah. killed in fucking yeah, yeah, every, every war. war yeah. <laughs> Smashed his head clean through his ass. That was my granddad. Rest in peace, sir. <laughs> I, love, I love what he yeah. goes this, this young man's a great American. He deserves to be hoisted up on our hey, shoulders. Hey, uh, you're a large American. <laughs> <You're> a large <laughs> American. <laughs> and the shit when they were fighting, I'm really impressed. Trey Savage. How you doing, Mike Donald? Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Come on, Mike. <laughs> you got like those movies? movies? I got every last one of them on laser disc. <laughs> <laughs> that shit was fun. <laughs> but yeah, that was my favorite gear. And then I also love there's a family guy cutaway where like a... Uh, 
something about Gary Busey, but it's like Gary Busey in the mirror. Hey, how you doing, Gary Busey? And then the reflection is a clown with like a fire in his head. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> that shit's so fucking funny. <laughs> so if you pick Lethal Weapon, you'll get at least a few more of these yeah, yeah, yeah. things. But that, that, if you're tired of Gary Busey, you can pick something else. We'll have fun too. As far as the but as far as the poll goes right now, it's it's a uh, diehard. Uh, in terms of like how many votes we've gotten so far, Die Hard, Trading Places, Lethal Weapon, The Scrooge, and that order. Right. That's that's the that's the, what's going on. But like I said, the neck is uh, Trading Places and Die Hard are neck and neck. Like I said, either one I'm happy for. It, just but like go on the Belsaverse and vote. You know, well, since we're bringing that up, let's go ahead and bring up our you know uh, social media handles since we're nearing the end of the show. Yep. All right. So uh, mine will be uh, Belsaverse on uh, Instagram and Belsaverse on uh, Facebook. Uh, there's a uh, two different as a group for Belsaverse on uh, Facebook and there's also a page for Belsaverse on um, Facebook. But like I said, you can go to either one. It usually has the same information. It's uh, becoming a go-to to a lot of my friends and to a lot of people out there for their movie news, including my friend AJ here. Mm-hmm. He, lo- he loves Belsaverse. And also, uh, if you guys are looking for some sick merch, go to the Belsaverse store at teespring.com and get yourself some uh, Belsaverse merch. We just uh, released a new shirt today. Uh, it's a nice little model for Belsaverse. Uh, arrive, be dope, leave. That's how I live my life. That's how I try to go through things. And now you can have, now you guys can go out there and have a shirt just like it. And also, what we're doing right now is a promotion for it, in which if you put in the promo code Belser eighty five B E L S E R eighty five, you get twenty percent off on all apparel items. So it's wonderful in time for the holidays. We got a couple sales today. I'm very happy about that. And once you get your Belsaverse merch, go on your social media. Uh, tag your boy in it. You know what I'm saying? Put a picture out there with, you, with your sweet merch on. And it helps out everybody. You know, you get a dope shirt. I get the tag. Everybody's happy. Now, that is Belsaverse, show, the Belsaverse store at teespring.com. Again, Belsaverse at teespring.com. Go check it out. Get yourself some sweet merch, man. Also, want some movie news? Go to Belsaverse on Instagram, Belsaverse on Facebook. And I'm thinking about starting a Belsaverse Twitter. And like I said, we are currently in development of Belsaverse.com. So we can actually have a website uh, for all this wonderful news and this good stuff. So everybody gets their own little news and stuff like that. Uh, And uh, I really am happy with the support that we've been getting on both Belsaverse and this podcast. We got a lot of people listening out there, and I'm really happy about that, especially in a very short span of time. Yeah, it's growing very well. I'm I'm so happy for that. Well, and don't forget, we've got the Dropping That Culture page on Facebook, too. Yes, we do. Which feeds in a lot of Belserverse. A few other things that you know, I'm bringing to the table. Yeah, also bring some. Well, and then yeah. we've got uh, uh, ushooker.com. So if you want to get uh, get some rugby gear, we're doing uh, some promos over there as well. You can find that on our page on uh, uh, well on Twitter, on Instagram. Both of those are at ushooker. Uh, there's also a US Hooker uh, Facebook page has all of that, or you can go to ushooker.com. Uh, lots of ridiculous <laughs> rugby puns and rugby fun, yeah, but uh, yeah, make, make the switch or you know add it to your uh, your sports watching. Yeah. Football ends in January. <laughs> Guess what starts in January? Yeah. Major League Rugby in the US. Yeah. It's it's absolutely killer. Yeah, get yourself a US Hooker shirt. I know I am. <laughs> You are? I've already got two. <laughs> I've been taking pictures with them right around here. The one, the, the, the one I was wearing when I was in uh, Taipei said, uh, hookers love to rock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to put that shirt on and see what kind of conversations I can bring up. 
It's a good way to start conversations. <laughs> it's a great way to start conversations. Just like the Bilsaverse shirts. Go and get yourself one. Get yourself some U.S. hooker shirts, man. Get some sweet merch out there, people. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Love that shit. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, like I said, this has been actually a really fun show uh, for our first Q and L show. We can do this Q&L again. You definitely are, man. Like, like I'm gonna get on my friends for not uh, not putting out nearly as much as JD's friends. And I'm gonna praise all my friends for being such great friends. Definitely the number one fans this week. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like I said, this has been a wonderful show. We hope you guys enjoyed it as much as we enjoyed doing it. And this has been dropping that culture with JD and AJ. See you next time. Later.